1: and let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping it strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening
2: Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network The young boy Joshua Smith here, joined by Rich Latta. On today's show, we'll be discussing nights 11 through 14 of Best of the Super Juniors 26, previewing Dominion and answering your questions. And of course, we'll cover all the latest news in the world of of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com/subscribe to sign up to get all of our podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. This episode of Keeping It Strong styles brought to you by PowerSlam.tv. PowerSlam TV is an independent wrestling streaming service with over 5000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use your promo code socialsuplex to get a free month of powerslam.tv. Make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash social suplex. That's where you can get our official Keeping It Strong Style T-shirt. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. Welcome. To keeping it strong, style is Young Boy.
1: <laughs> they let this man loose. All right. I <laughs> see Jeremy's on his rich crate and has disappeared uh, on vacation, and he, this man
2: has left you the reins. He's gone off to an exotic locale. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. To,
2: um, you notice the land that he's gone to, Alaska. It's mighty wide up there. Yes.
1: <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling that they'll easily be able to keep track of Jeremy up there. So. um <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, man. It's been a long time since i uh, done a show with you, man. Obviously, you guys can hear the voice that's with me, Rich Latta. No stranger to this show. Uh, the, the thing is, is, a few weeks ago, someone called me the other guy on this. And I got real offended. Oh, man. But, but then, Jeremy left. And I realized... You're now the guy. No, I realized I really am the other guy. <laughs> 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 like, I, like, like, legit, if you weren't here... There, there would be no episode Like I've been stressing Bro. I've been like oh my god what are we gonna do So check
1: this out like this man Josh has been Calling me This man has been blowing up my messenger uh, This morning With the format of the show And every, just a nervous wreck Like when when I came through the door I'm like come on man let's just have some fun man
2: Here's the thing Jeremy does this show every week This is the first time he's ever missed an episode I'm pretty consistent, but there have been, I I think, about three, maybe Mm -hmm. three episodes in the past year and a half that I haven't been on the the show with him. So he's kind of handled it without me. This is the first time where, like, I'm left unchecked. And at first, (laughs) I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But then, like... I realized what wow, that. How really, do I do? How
1: do I do the graphics? Yeah. How
2: do I record this shit? I was like, how do we get the um those people that talk before the show starts and the music? How do we get that going? <laughs> how do we get the pictures up? Oh man! When I when I show up, Jeremy has a whole format laid out. I was like, wait, where's that come from? How yeah. how we get this going? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just the talent, bro. I just show up.
1: Listen. Like,
2: I went from literally, I went from being like just one of the boys to suddenly I'm booking and I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm basically Kevin Nash circa 1999 right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, you got to call your old pal uh, Kevin Sullivan, uh, <laughs> me, someone who's been booking for a long time and all that. But you, um, you are like
2: Kevin Sullivan, like you were on the booking committee, then you got fired, but now you're back. <laughs> back. Uh, yeah man Jer- jeremy is gone and we do consider him the tony Khan of social suplex and uh sitting with me is what i would consider one of the co-executive vps of social suplex <laughs> yeah man so it's gonna be good but man it has been a while since you've been on the show
1: yeah man i would probably say like maybe like the um awards show yeah like, like six months yeah it's been like uh kind of rough and before we get to the show like like Pretty much this last week was our last uh, show covering Raw and SmackDown, and then that took up about like 40 weeks of time during that project we were doing, and we literally got to cover the descent and downfall of WWE television, which directly led to a rival company being formed in North America. I do consider that a special time. (laughs) But now that I'm only doing one show a week, it's like, wow, I can do like some podcast spots. So this is my third show in three days. Uh, I did my show yesterday, and I did a guest spot Saturday, and I'm ready to to rock and roll here,
2: man. I actually did a guest spot on Friday along with Floyd Johnson on uh, one of the shows here on Social Suplex, Uh, All Things Elite, where we uh, did a, a, a review of the Double or Nothing event, which... Man, that review went a long time, but it was fun. I had a really, really good time. Floyd, man, Floyd's freaking awesome. If you guys haven't checked that out, uh, I don't know if you're double or nothinged out or aew out yet, but trust me, you want to check that out. It was really, really good time. But um, yeah, man, like I was just thinking like probably like five years from now when you like put stuff behind your paywall, you can be like. Oh, and then on Tuesdays, you can check out our retro reviews from the time period when we were doing
0: (laughs) Raw and SmackDown
2: reviews. I do have all the episodes. Just two two years before WWE went bankrupt.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna save all those make sure I got a private folder and uh if you
2: want a little taste of our retro reviews we yes. were calling this years ago yes
1: and, and that RSS link I don't know how long it's gonna be active so that might be a good idea to tuck away uh, for about two or three years from now when when uh, aW is the number one promotion in the United States and
2: in the United States sir yeah in the United States is the optimum yeah and I don't know we're, we're coming we're coming for the for the US yeah man but, um, yeah, we've got an awesome show, you know, ahead of us. We're going to talk about nights 11 through 14 of the Best of the Super Juniors. We're also going to be previewing Best of the Super Juniors Finals, Dominion. We're also going to be taking your questions, going over all the latest news, all the controversies. There's been some tragedies. We've got a jam-packed show, like, literally. So It's on. Yeah, we should definitely get into it. Let's so, run it. Um, so... We're gonna start uh, start off the show by talking about uh, nights eleven through fourteen, best of Super Juniors. Now, Rich, you um, you haven't watched all this, right? I
1: haven't seen all of this. No.
2: Okay. So next week, when Jeremy's back from his exotic locale, when we can uh, bother him to actually show up and do one of these shows, <laughs> um, then we'll be. We're actually planning on doing an entire, along with our Dominion preview. But we do this every year. We're going to do an entire review of the entire Best of the Super Juniors grades, you know, recommendations, our top matches, similar to what we do with all the big tournaments like the G1 and the Best of Super Juniors. So, I don't think we're going to go super in depth with all of these nights, but we are going to give you guys a rundown of where we're at. Um, I have seen most of this, but I got to tell you, I'm not caught up. So, I don't even want to uh, do an in depth night by night review myself either. Um, but starting with night 11. Um, on night 11, which was an A-block night, uh, Marty Skrull defeated Takamichi Noku by uh, medical forfeit. Uh, we covered last week how Takamichi Noku was taken out of the tournament due to uh, injury. So Marty Skrull moved on into the uh, the next round, picked up two points, easy night of work for him. Um, after that, I mean,
1: Marty's been taking nights off uh, all tournaments from what, I, what I've been hearing. So uh, this ain't really too too different, I see.
2: Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> Uh, in the next match of the night Sho defeated Teton at 11 minutes and 15 seconds via pinfall um, that was rated around 3 stars Taiji Ishimori defeated Tiger Mask at 4 minutes and 38 seconds via submission uh, Round two and a half. Shingo defeated Jonathan Gresham in what I thought was a really good match uh, 11 minutes 15 seconds via pinfall I went about three and a half on that one. I, I,
1: I did catch some of the action from that one. I, I was very pleased that uh, Shingo received the check uh, that can, I can sent ex- to his can residence. Can you explain
2: to people what your what your issue with Jonathan Gresham is? No. Okay. But yeah, uh, there were there were times where Shingo just freaking laid out Jonathan Gresham in this match. It was vicious. And then in the main event, we had Dragon Lee defeating Kanemaru at 14 minutes five seconds via pinfall, picking up another two points. Uh, Shingo is undefeated at this point in the tournament. Ishimori is just trailing him along with Dragon Lee. Uh, and that pretty much covers night 11. Night 12, which was a B-block night. Uh, in the first match of the night, uh, Ren Narita was defeated at 12 minutes and 25 seconds via submission against Yo. We're
1: going to start showing my boy Yo some love out here. Yeah. Like we, like we, I'm going to just put it over to airwaves now We is not about to just come out here and, and just mark out for show And all this stuff Because Yo is right there with him
2: I mean Yo is right there with him But you know He's Yo Yonetti Michael Or uh, uh What's Marty Yonetti Wow um, wh- wh- Have you seen the the tassels? I have what do you feel about those i like them I, I hate them
1: uh anytime i see tassels i like them from the ultimate warrior to tyler breeze to i i, I love tassels
2: you would love the ultimate warrior i guess <laughs> no no joke just before the show started we had to restart a bunch of times because i was like not, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was not able to like get through the, the intro i'm not used to doing it what jeremy does it's his job
1: i was like yeah man you might want to like get your blood flowing or something like run back and forth like
2: warrior start running around like the warrior yeah the spirit of spirit of the warrior floating through the veins unbelievable anyways um but yo picks picks up the win against uh rennerita who rennerita's had just an incredible tournament and still defeated zero and eight at this point in the tournament Uh, Bandido defeats Robbie Eagles at nine minutes, 30 seconds, which was a big win because Robbie Eagles was, um, in the running to win this tournament. So that was a huge loss against the surging Bandido. Um, Bushi defeated Rocky Romero at 10 minutes, 25 seconds via pinfall. This was interesting because Rocky Romero, who, as some of you may know, was, uh, the former Black Tiger. I think he was Black Tiger. I want to say four. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like he, in the
1: early 2000s?
2: Yeah. Uh, he actually brought the mask back out, but it was a custom mask, and half of it was Black Tiger, and half of it was um, El Desperado's mask. Hmm. Yeah, so he brought that out, and then uh, before the match started, he ripped it off and did the Bushi spit mist, and you know how they're always uh, talking extensively about how nobody in the rock- locker room likes Bushi, and Rocky is always bearing him on commentary, so... A little bit of a backstory with this one. It was a fine little match, but Bushi picks up the win here. And then um, in the semi-main event, Will Osprey defeats Doki at 16 minutes and 30 seconds. I went three and a half on this. I've seen some people that were a little bit higher, though. Uh, it may have been Doki's best match of the tournament, though.
1: Yeah, I heard Doe Do UKI has um, just... He, he's gone from like a waste of space to like serviceable towards the end, and... Um, Will Osprey is like just added that to his resume. Like, yeah. look what I look what I got out of um, Duke. I, <laughs> you know, like Ti Do Yuki, or you know, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna say it different every
2: single time. And then in the main event, so this was a big one. So going into this night, we had a four way. Yeah, we had a four way tie between Robbie Eagles, Will Osprey, Ryazuki Taguchi, and El Fantasmo. They were all sitting, uh, I believe, at. Either 8 points or 10 points. But, you know, Will Ospreay at this point in the tournament has taken losses to Robbie Eagles. He's also taken losses to El Fantasmo. Robbie Eagles losing to Bandito early in the, earlier in the, uh, in the night to Bandito pretty much eliminated. Um, well, he still had a possibility of winning. But once Will Ospreay jumped ahead of him in the points that pretty much knocked him out of contention entirely. So it really came down to what would happen between Taguchi and El Phantasmo in the finals of this night. Um, You know, El Phantasmo, like I said, had a a previous pinfall victory over uh, Will Ospreay. Those were the only two people that defeated Will Ospreay in this tournament. Mm -hmm. And so if he were to defeat um, Taguchi, then that means at that point, It pretty much would have locked things down for El Phantasmo. Um, It kind of got a little confusing with the way it would have worked out, but um, it would have tied him up with Will Ospreay, and then it would have given him a a much better shot of winning the tournament because basically if he won his next match after that and so did Will Ospreay, he'd get the tiebreaker. Um, Obviously, we know Taguchi was going into the final night against Will Ospreay and was tied with him, so he kind of needed the win here. So it was do or die for these two guys. Uh, in a, in what was probably the match of the night, in a really good match, uh, Ryosuke Taguchi defeated El Phantasmo 20 minutes and 25 seconds via submission. Beat him with the ankle lock. So that solidified his spot in this tournament with 12 points going into the finals uh, on the final night against Will Ospreay.
1: So what I'm gathering is like Phantasmo kind of got handled how Kenny got handled in the G1 where he just ran off a bunch of wins to start. Beating favorites and everything. Real similarly. And then, like, at the end, it just, like, hit, he got a, caught a blown tire, essentially.
2: That was, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but that was kind of what my prediction was going to be, just looking at the way the blocks were laid out. And as the uh, tournament continued on, you kind of saw that he was winning everything, and he beat Will Osprey. And you had a fat figure that Will Ospreay is the odds-on favorite. So you would figure that they would do a similar booking scenario to what just what you mentioned mm-hmm. with Kenny, where Fantasmo had to probably pick up a couple losses towards the end. And it was in order for Will Osprey to get into the, you know, to win.
1: He needed some help.
2: Yeah. No. So it was like, when was when was Fantasmo going to take the, the second loss that he needed to take? Was it going to be on the final night against Doki? Not likely. So it ended up being against Taguchi in the main event. Um, so that kind of solidified the B-block finals. Uh, wound up being Taguchi versus Will Ospreay with a tie. So that eliminated on that night... Both uh, Robbie Eagles as well as um, El Fantasmo. Um, going into night 13, um, Yoshinabu Kanemaru defeated Takamichinoku via me- medical forfeit. He picks up another two points. Um, the first true match of the tournament for that night, Teton defeated Tiger Mask at eight minutes via pinfall, two and a half stars. Sho defeated Jonathan Gresham at 10 minutes and 30 seconds via pinfall. Three and a half stars. I know you like that outcome. That actually was a match that I really enjoyed. showing Jonathan Gresham it was a match I was looking forward to. You know, all throughout the tournament, and I, it did. You know, it didn't disappoint whatsoever. And then um, Dragon Lee defeated Marty Skrull, 16 minutes and 20 seconds via pinfall. That's probably Marty Skrull's best match of the tournament. So um,
1: <clears throat> the uh, unique stat that I picked up on the way, um, just going through it is Dragon Lee, like, with that win, like, he got the 14 points. Yeah. And he has become, like, the most successful luchador to ever compete in uh, the
2: best Super Juniors tournament. Oh, Dragon Lee. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Who who before him was more successful? So, according to, um, I believe it was Case
1: Lowe uh, from Voice of Wrestling, shout out to Case Lowe. Uh, he beat out Black Tigers runs in 1993 and 1994, which why That's I, Eddie. Yeah, I would assume it would be Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, that,
2: yeah, that's who that is. Yeah. Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, really, really good match. Actually, you know what? I might have liked the Marty Skrull Shingo match a little bit better than this, but still, really, really good match. And then in the finals, in what was uh, the A block finals, so we had Shingo going into this match undefeated. Um, taking on Taiji Ishimori, so Shingo goes into this match with um, 16 points, and Taiji Ishimori comes into this match with only one loss to Yoshinabu Kanemaru at 14 points. So it sets up a scenario where we're in the A Block finals. This is for the finals. Whoever wins this is going to, you know, headline at Sumo Hall, and um, Ishimori is basically in a do-or-die situation. He can't get a draw. He can't go to the time limit. He, win and you're in. He has to win. If he wins, he ties the points with Shingo, gets the tiebreaker, tiebreaker. and he gets the block. Um, if Shingo wins, then he uh, basically uh, makes history as being the third mem- the third man ever to win uh, an entire block undefeated. But not only that, um, you know, basically going into the tournament being unpinned, unsubmitted. And so the also- only other two guys
1: that did that were Liger and Devitt. And both of those guys ended up in the G1 that same year. That's true. We were having a conversation off-air. The speculation is that Osprey, everyone's going to assume Will Osprey's in it, right? And I would look answer that like, well, why not Shingo too?
2: <laughs> it, 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 it's starting to like look like a really reasonable possibility. Right. Um, I also believe Loki actually ended up um, going to a block final undefeated, but ended up losing to Taguchi to in 20, I believe, twelve. I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's that's correct. Um, but this match, I watched this match uh, earlier today just to kind of refresh. And this match was just as awesome as you could have ever expected it to be. Uh, Shingo and Ishimori, they freaking went to war. Um, I really liked the story of this match, basically, where uh, Shingo being the more powerful and dynamic of the two, but definitely showing uh, ring wear from just, you know, The entire tournament and then Ishimori who has we've had speculations all throughout the show if you've been listening week after week we've been speculating about his health the condition he's in and um, he definitely came into this match looking banged up but still was the faster of the two competitors and there was a, a story here where both men were attacking each other's necks Shingo was attacking Ishimori's neck due to the rumors that he'd bothered his neck earlier in the tournament, and then Ishimori attacking the neck of Shingo to kind of prep him for the yes lock, which is one of uh, Rich's favorite uh, finishing maneuvers. Yeah. Yeah. But um, this match went 21 minutes, and man, it did not disappoint from, from the get-go. Just incredible chain wrestling action. You think he was he was Shingo's like, biggest challenge? Yeah. Through this tournament? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't show, then it was uh, probably Ishimori. Um, you know, him wrestling Dragon Lee was kind of a big challenge as well. I would say mm-hmm. with Dragon Lee being the champion, but Ishimori kind of being like the main established guy from New Japan in this on that side of the tournament, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say so. But um, there was just there were so <clears throat> many moments in this match that really like you know stood out to me. At one point. Um, once Shingo hit the uh, Noshigami And started to you know Go for the finish, he kind of smelled blood and, and Ishimori was definitely in trouble He started killing Ishimori with uh, Pumping bombers, and then at a certain Point he threw uh, Ishimori into the, uh, into the Ring ropes and rebounded him And he was going to go for a Death Valley driver And it was at this point that Ishimori hit his comeback He actually ended up hitting a, um, a Crucifix bomb Off of that and then um, Shingo tried to to basically rebound from that and throw him up for another uh, Death Valley driver, but it was at this point that Ishimori hit him with what, what I have to say is probably one of the most beautiful Hurricane Ranas I've ever seen. And, I, like, I popped. I thought he actually beat him. He got the two. Uh, Shingo kicked out. After that, Ishimori hit him with one of the most dynamic, like, Canadian destroyers I've ever seen in my entire life. They started trading... Uh, Clotheslines, and he kept trying to uh, hit the pumping bomber on Shingo, or I'm sorry, on Ishimori. But Ishimori ended up ducking it and actually hit Shingo with his own pumping bomber. and It was like, oh my god! He ended up putting him in the um, in the yes lock, and at this point, Shingo was trying to get to the ropes. He rolled him back into the ring, a la Chris Benoit, uh, you know, WrestleMania uh, 2004 or WrestleMania 20, and it looked like Shingo was gonna tap. Shingo ended up fighting out of the label lock. And, um, Shingo gets to the ropes, um, he fights off the bloody cross, uh, Ishimori connects with knee strikes, then they trade center of the ring, um, and then at this point, Ishimori goes down, Ishimori fires up, hits knee strikes, and hits a huge desperation lariat, Ishimori hits the John Woo, the double knees, and then a lung blower for two, and then at this point, he goes for the bloody cross, and suddenly, Shingo, out of nowhere, just turns the bloody cross into the last of the dragon, connects for the win, like, just... It literally looked like Ishimori was in the middle of, like, a finishing Emptying sequence. the gun. Yeah, he's emptying, he's emptying everything, and Shingo says, nah, hold this last of the, <laughs> the dragon, go to hell. Yeah. One, two, three. Going to the finals. Holla. Yeah. And it was just such a performance. A really, really awesome performance from both guys. It looked like Ishimori was, like, this incredible junior, but he was, like, outmatched, outsized, outstrength, outgunned the entire time. And he was just throwing everything he could. But, like, it was like a heavyweight against, you know, a welterweight. Man, Shingo's a bully. <laughs> We're going to talk about a bully later in the show, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I really like the layout of this match. Just, like, he came across as the big star. And um, even though he appeared vulnerable throughout the match, he was able to just kind of pop the win out of nowhere. You know what I mean? So, really, really, really interesting stuff here. But Shingo ends up um, picking up another win. Goes undefeated through the A block, defeats uh, Taiji Ishimori. Um, the unfortunate news coming out of this match: Ishimori uh, New Japan did announce that Ishimori suffered a shoulder injury. He did have to miss miss the uh, June 3rd show, and there is no telling uh, how serious this shoulder injury uh, is. Uh, as of this recording, they haven't announced whether he will be uh, on the rest of the the tour. Or, uh Dominion or any of the uh, Kazuna Road shows. So uh remains to be seen where we're at with Ishimori but he was injured. Yeah, best wishes to uh Ishimori. Get healthy soon and can't wait for him to come back. Yeah. So that's going to take us to night um 14 which happened earlier today. Now, I did not watch this entire show um but we're you know, we're at the point we might as well talk about it. So we're here um in the opening match of the night. Bushi took on Ren Narita um, Throughout this tour and throughout this tournament We've been wondering the question Can a young lion beat one of his elders? And it's happened in the past Would Ren Narita, uh, you know Continue that tradition of upsetting One of his elders? Uh, it would not be so on this night As at 9 minutes and 10, 10 seconds Bushi picks up the win via pinfall Gato, you're a coward <laughs> So Narita uh, goes 0-9 in the tournament um, Although he was incredible during this tournament.
1: I, I, I've heard nothing but um, like great things about Renderita uh, throughout this tournament. And he was essentially like a replacement for Flip Gordon. And it worked out about as good as possible. Yeah. Um, considering that he has to have essentially the opening match every night. But he's still a tough challenger for, for everyone. And, and people aren't just running over the guy.
2: Yeah, um, Jeremy did a great job mentioning this last week, and he pointed this out to me. How Narita kept hitting his overhead belly, belly, belly to belly, or um, I'm sorry, bridging, br- bridging belly, yeah. belly to belly suplex. Uh, the problem was he wasn't getting the bridge. So every night it was like if he could just get the bridge, he'd pick up the windfall, uh, you know. And he kept not being able to kind of capitalize on it. So kind of a, a, a nice little wrinkle there. Nice little long form storytelling in New Japan. Uh, But Narita had a great accounting of himself all throughout this tournament. Um, The next match of the night, Bandito defeated Rocky Romero at 11 minutes, 30 seconds. Um, Three and a half star match. Uh, Rocky Romero had a great tournament. I would say he had a much better tournament than Bandito did.
1: That's what I'm hearing. And it's like Bandito's had all this buzz throughout America. Is this Bandito's
2: first real Japanese tour? Well, um... I know that he worked Dragon Gate before, okay. prior to this, but I don't know, you know, ex- I mean, again, we just became acquainted with the guy a year ago, you right. know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, I don't have any excuses for him or anything like that. I've, you know, I've gone to bat for Bandito because I've seen him have so many fantastic matches. He may have had in this tournament what was the match of the tournament.
1: Yeah, I saw that
2: one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I mean, um, but evidently still on a learning curve but I want to give praise to Rocky Romero because Rocky Romero was killer in this tournament I didn't get to talk about it too much last week but that match with Phantasmo, mm-hmm. match of a lifetime it was great to hear a crowd chant Rocky again
1: <laughs> and uh, it sounded like the end of uh, the movies yeah and you know he was about to call Adrian in the ring and
2: and and they were chanting Rocky, and they weren't saying die or sucks. Correct. <laughs> but uh, Bandito picks up two points here. Um, next match of the night, Yo defeats Robbie Eagles at 11 minutes and 50 seconds, which was a shock. I was very surprised by this because um, on the other side of the turn, well, in this tournament, I was thinking that there was a good possibility that Yo would take the loss to Robbie Eagles, a guy that they protected all throughout the tournament, and a guy that seemingly might be in contention to potentially face Rapongi 3K for the junior titles. So to me, the the logical booking decision would be, Yo takes the loss here, Robbie Eagles picks up the win, and, maybe, and because he'd already lost to El Phantasmo, we have logical challengers for the title. Plus... With the fact that Show was at 10 points throughout the tournament and Yo was at 10, he would take the loss, they'd be equal. Not so. Yo picks up the win against Robbie Eagles via pinfall and actually ends up with 12 points in this tournament while Show finished the tournament with 10. And last year they were equal.
1: So I think that kind of evens it out, but like just a different way. Like If you look where Fantasmo finished, I believe he finished with 12, right?
2: That's correct,
1: and so, we're going to talk about where like those two
2: teams are kind of crisscrossed. But I think what's really interesting here is the fact that Yo ended up higher in point values than Show did. Right. Not that that means everything, but you know we've talked at length about how they had the same amount of pinfall losses last year. Right. They
1: don't. They don't just book this stuff like just to do it. There's something happening.
2: That's yeah. It's real interesting, especially with the fact that Show got his own music, you know, his own look, and was kind of like position at the beginning of this tournament as being a big breakout star and yo was kind of like he just
1: kept chipping away chipping chipping away away.
2: kind of being like the good company guy the chaos guy the Rapongi 3k guy and he ends up a little just a smidge further than show so I think that's something to keep our eyes on yeah real interesting um El Phantasmo defeats Doki at 14 minutes and 10 seconds this match was it was good but it, man there was a there was one, I don't know if you saw this spot El Phantasmo was doing his uh, Yes I saw did.
1: It? I saw it. Do Yukai was just like Do Yukai. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I, bro I don't know what the what the hell they were doing up there
2: like Well he's doing the ringwalk spot or yeah. the rope walk spot. Yeah.
1: It's...
2: And and he was going for he was going for a uh a Hurkanrana off the top but for something happened Doki fell off and it looked like he got decapitated. Bro, it bro. looked
1: like one of those things that you would see uh, like worst wrestling botches of the mid two thousands with like generic rock music over the top of it.
2: Have you ever seen the botch with B J Whitmer and Jimmy Jacobs where where they almost died? No. Yeah, this was like that. Like, I. If there's not um, an announcement in the next few hours that Do- – because this just happened, like, earlier this morning.
0: <laughs> if they don't
2: tell me Doki's, like, severely injured from this, I'm going to be very surprised. Like, that was crazy.
1: Yeah. Or, but, that, or that man has a neck uh, like Brock Lesnar secretly. Like, one of the two.
2: Yeah, that was crazy. But Phantasmo picks up the win here. He picks up another two points. Unfortunately, he's uh, not eligible to win the tournament. So, we go to the so, final. So,
1: so, so before we move on, so, like, if that was the last of, of Yuki uh how how did he did he make an impression on you? Would you like to see uh Do Kai return back to New Japan?
2: It's not so much like would I like to see him show up again? um I wouldn't necessarily have a problem, but I wouldn't mark over it either. like he's just a guy a jag he's a jag. I mean like I kind of liked the fact that he brought a different like feel and look and griminess, but he kind of had an opportunity here, and I don't feel like he delivered. I do feel like his um reputation for kind of sucking. Uh, preceded him and I don't know if it was completely well deserved but I do understand where people are coming from um, but at the same time like yeah I mean this this was kind of his last chance to like sort of like leave an impression and unfortunately he's probably going to be remembered for uh, <laughs> getting getting hung up on those ropes like, like Steve Austin 1992 stun gun I mean oh my this was
1: gosh. bad yeah yeah um, so best wishes Dookie <laughs> Dookie
2: is that going to be your gimmick? Like, you're going to mispronounce his name every time? Yes. <laughs> then uh, in the finals, we had um, a rematch of the Best Super Junior Finals from 2016. Will Osprey taking on Ryuzuki Taguchi. This match went 22 minutes and 20 seconds. We both watched this match. Rich, what were your thoughts?
1: I thought it was like...
2: Hold on. Before we move on, we need to talk about something. Before Four weeks ago To be exact Four weeks ago I sat at this very table I sat in this exact chair And I said To everybody that's listening Ryosuke Taguchi Will be in contention To win this thing in the finals I said he'll end this thing With about 10 or 12 points And then you listen to the show And in the group messenger You messaged me and you Or you messaged out And you said Josh back on his bullshit <laughs> Trying to get this Taguchi <laughs> shit over <laughs> and he said oh my god trying to sell us on this Taguchi shit again trying to sell these wolf tickets <laughs> I, I just want everyone to know right now I am the Chris Jericho of this show right now I demand an apology sir this guy well
1: I'm sorry <laughs> I'm Josh I'm sorry that you were so horrible at picking Taguchi last year <laughs> <laughs> it lured me into a false sense of security that you were off the rocker once again, but it turns out that's not the case.
2: That last year was an outlier.
1: This year, made That way man
2: way. finished with a smooth six points. <laughs> he did. But that was the worst tournament he'd had in his entire career in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm shocked he was invited back. Oh my god. Believe it or not, he probably had better matches in last year's tournament than he did this year. Man. Uh, but he did come into this match with twelve points, and as I I, I I will take the victory. There are things I was wrong about, ladies and gentlemen. Let, let's let's before we move on, I want to say a couple things. I was wrong about Shingo. I said it was unlikely that he would finish undefeated. I couldn't. I didn't have the vision. I couldn't see how they would book it. Once we started discussing it, I kind of saw how it would actually turn out, and I was like, oh, they're going to put him in Ishimori. I was wrong about that. Um, I may have gone too hard on El Fantasmo. I still don't like El Fantasmo. We'll talk about that here in a bit, but I did say he was shit and that I hated him. That's growth. He's not, he's not. That's growth. That's growth. Uh, but you know what? That was my response to the hype because I, I've seen people talking about he's Prince Devitt and that's ridiculous. And I don't think he's that good. Oh, but that's my opinion. Um, but I don't want to offend anybody because, evident, obviously, he's a decent wrestler. He can go. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he. I think he's a good mechanic. I just don't think he has good match structure, and I think a lot of the shit he does is like real, like kind of all over the place. Doesn't make sense logically from like a from like a uh, psychology standpoint. That's my problem with uh, him. So
1: I'm never gonna turn down like a flashy wrestler. Like I'm, I'm here for them all. I, he, I, I'm easy to please.
2: He does some flashy stuff, but then he does other stuff that's, like, just, like, oh, God, I don't want to get into it. Anyways, but I will admit, I was probably too hard, so I was probably wrong on that. I'll say that on the air. What I was not wrong about was Taguchi getting these 12 points, bitch. He got these 12 points. (laughs) He got them. He's here. And every time I talk to Jeremy, Jeremy's like, man, I don't know. And I was like, he's in the finals against Osprey.
1: However... I did maintain that he
2: was there to lose, and lose he did. Yeah, he did. So so tell us about your, your thoughts on this match.
1: Um I, I thought it was a pretty decent. Like Will Osprey is like he's uh, I know Johnny Gargano's having all these great matches in these main events, but he is. Like Will Ospreay is like he's a dude that is doing it every night, everywhere in the world, in Perhaps one of the most competitive like environments in New Japan Pro Wrestling. This guy is like he's a revelation to the sport right
2: now. And remember when you used to say he ain't Ricochet? He's not. He's not Ricochet, bro. He's better than Ricochet in a way.
1: <sighs> Man, that's
2: that's right now.
1: Right not, now, he's better than not Ricochet. from
2: athleticism, yeah, but from like the overall package and. Yeah. and you know, Ricochet's on the main roster, so yeah, he's not allowed. Ricochet's to do. done having. Ricochet's not to do what Ricochet's allowed to do. That's not me bearing Ricochet. Ricochet is Ricochet, but in the grand scheme of things, Ricochet ain't Will Osprey.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it's sad to. I, I talk about Ricochet like he's a lost family member at this point, and just like a. A distant cousin. Yeah, like, I had that, high hopes that for that. Poppy
2: just now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just like just. I had high hopes for him. I, I thought he was gonna. You know, he went to college and, and he had a job lined up for him that that was just gonna give him a good living and and be successful. <laughs> and then ho- you find out. Hold on, it, it all fell through, bro. Like you you're, you're working, happened, you're working, you you're working you're working you're working fast food like. <laughs> 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 Like, they got you sweeping. They got you on the fries. Like, come on, man. Oh, like, my God. Like, man, I've seen you, like, graduate with honors. <laughs> but I think Osprey is just, like, you can't name a match in this tournament that he didn't deliver and make his opponent rise to his level. Whether it was Dookie, whether it was Renderita, whether it was making Rocky Romero look like a star once again. Bro, almost. This guy's a fucking, like, he's a almost he's the wrestler of the year right
2: now. Right now. Na- well... Kento just, Kento, just, Kento Miyahara might have a might say opposite of that, but you're probably in New Japan right now it's it's him, and it was and, similar and, to and last he, year, just he,
1: like last year, he was a world wrestler I the year up until like the end of the Super Juniors, and then the caught the, him.
2: The only difference is he's in a much different place within the trajectory of the company where we're expecting, hopefully, that this most likely that he'll be involved with the heavyweights throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, this to me was. Um, Will Ospreay song, song to the junior division and man not only did he make almost every single opponent that he wrestled look like a million bucks not only did he give them almost all their best matches of the tournament in the B block but he put over two of his you know proteges and people that he has influence and and um, you know has a hand in help bringing them into the company he put over uh, El Fantasmo put over uh, Robbie Eagles. So he helped build two new stars on his way out w- when he's a guy that didn't need to put over anybody. Yeah. So this is a guy that's giving a lot to this division. Uh, it's 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 a and think about beauty it, like what three, he's
1: done. Yeah, like three years ago, he debuted and won the tournament in 2016. And essentially to get to the final of his last one where he faces essentially his biggest challenge ever in the division, he beats the guy that he originally won the first one against. Yeah. So... They, which, which I don't I know was, if they did it on purpose I think
2: it's very fitting
1: yeah I don't I don't think they did it on purpose but like if you just step back and just look and be like wow if you connect all these dots together like that's kind of a cool story
2: uh, one thing I noticed in this match uh, Will Osprey and Taguchi Tog- is wildly popular in Japan you know the, he might have his detractors here in the States and people that don't take him very seriously but he's wildly popular Will Osprey, on the other hand has he's popular in places or at least has been in the past like in, um, you know, Cork, and he's always been over. But other places, it's taken them a lot of time to even, like, warm up to him. A year ago, on this same tour, he was not the most over guy in his block by any means. Even though he was the champion. Even though he was the wrestler of the year up to that point. Even though he had blow match after blow match after blow match. It has taken the second half of that year, with him overcoming guys like Taichi and Jeff Cobb and Kota Ibushi and all that, for, the, for now... He's like on a new pedestal, a new level, and on this final night, he was more over than Taguchi. There was definitely doing chance, but they they were so into Will Osprey. Yeah, it, we, we it was crazy. Um, this match was real good. We got serious, big match Taguchi who showed up here. They had a real, real good match. Um, I wouldn't go super. I wouldn't call it a match of the year level caliber or anything, but I would go about a four and a quarter on this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was real, real good, especially the. There was some some botches. But the finishing sequences where Taguchi started getting all the ankle locks, and he had worked over uh, Will's leg all throughout the match, really had the crowd reeling. They actually started to get behind Taguchi and started believing in the upset, which, by by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if he had one, it would have been a huge upset. It would have been on the same level as— It it would have been
1: like take a plane to Japan and go holler at Gato and be like, what are you doing, Chief?
2: It would have been like uh, Anthony Joshua getting beat up by Ruiz the other night. (laughs) Yeah, um,
1: man, apparently, like, you know, that man struggled with Gabriel Iglesias, and, you know, he just, you know...
2: Listen, man, that... We'll talk. That that that's for my boxing podcast.
1: Yeah, uh, the 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 unreleased uh, any, boxing podcast. Any,
2: anyone who thought that that was an eleven to one underdog or twenty five to one underdog d- didn't do their homework. They don't know about about Ruiz. Ruiz is not a pushover. Look at his record. The guy had one loss. It was a majority decision. He's a killer. It goes to show
1: all the muscles will not protect your face. Like <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah. Just ask uh, Toriano how that works out. Yeah, he knows. But um. I thought this was a real good match. One thing I didn't like about it, though, was at the very, very end, uh, Osprey, after selling the leg the whole match and after getting his ankle torn up, he started doing all this high-flying aerial stuff at the end and wasn't selling the leg at all. So that's the one detraction I have about it. But other than that, mm-hmm. really, really good match. He ends up uh, winning the match um, with the what, the Stormbreaker. Uh, pick, he did kick out of the Dodon, which was a big deal, and he ends up picking up the win here. Uh, Taguchi leaves dejected. And then we get the emergence of Shingo Takagi.
1: Yes, after the match, Shingo came out and he was speaking Japanese
2: and we well, speaking, English, speaking at first. English too. And he said, "Skill, uh, you know, hearts, agility, determination, s- strength. You are strong, but I am stronger." And I was like, "Yes!" Like Shingo didn't have to say much at all, and it yeah. got
1: like Shingo could have just walked in the ring with the mic looked him in his eye dropped the mic and then you would have known what it was
2: will will did cut a promo at he, the end he
1: cut the baby face baby face promo yeah. please love me i'm fighting for uh he's become the adopter of mental health yeah um he's he's like trying to make everyone just like him and all that as he he, he feels like he really needs their support to go beat shingo well he does
2: man he did one thing
1: I But I, he was he was not in fear of Shingo. Let's, no, let's, he was, he wasn't yeah. backing
2: down. He wasn't right. fearful of him. He he wasn't a chicken shit. Yep. You know, it wasn't like Brock Lesnar showing up and everyone falling down to him even though you're the champion. It wasn't yes. like that at yes. all. Uh, it it was basically a big star recognizing the challenge that's in front of him, a challenge that he has to overcome, that nobody else in the company has overcome. And he said, I'm the man to do it. I'm gonna slay the dragon. I thought he cut a really good promo. I thought it went a bit long and uh, hats off to the Japanese audience Because they don't know what he's saying But they're so respectful And every time he says, he makes a point They clap with him mm-hmm. That probably makes you like The best promo in the world over there <laughs> Like All you have to do is like Explain something And give them enough time To like clap afterwards And they're gonna do right. it Get some emotion
1: going and, and and just Let them see the look in your eyes And
2: I wonder why like You know Major North American companies Don't let the foreigners Do the same thing And let people get behind It's them. amazing It's amazing you know? But um yeah, so we got the first official stare down uh, and show off uh, between Will Ospreay and Shingo. The The finals is set. The finals that so many of you wanted, so many of you predicted. Shingo versus Will Ospreay. Two days from now. Boy. You're, you're going to be listening to this on Tuesday. So you're going to be listening to this the day before the Best of the Super Junior Finals. Which means you're going to be listening to this and being like, wow, this is happening. So spoiler alert, we're about to get a, a match of the year candidate. Maybe match of the year I've already got it at a four star handicap It's already at four stars Just for anticipation <laughs> alone It's there right now And they haven't touched yet The music hasn't even hit For them to come to the ring So we um, we ended night 14 um, With Will Ospreay uh, Overcoming Ryosuke Taguchi Which sets the stage For the rest of the best of the super juniors um, A couple notes Just before we move on um, so we talked about Ishimori being injured. Um, aside from that, a uh, lot of discussion about Brody King being on this tour, working the undercards along with Marty Scurll as part of uh, Villain Enterprises. He actually only took two losses during the entire tour. Both, both of those tag losses were to Juice Robinson.
1: Got to give Juice some wins uh, with that U.S. title, I think, and Brody King, like him going over Brody King, and Brody King just being physically imposing over there and agile and everything, that gives Juice a good look because they have they've they've never really shown like or excuse me, they've in the past, they haven't always shown Juice the respect while he's the champion. They've made Correct. him take a lot of losses. So I think this is that was an effort to kind of combat that and make sure Juice looks good going into what we found out would be his big match.
2: I also read um, that for Best in the World, which is coming up here in the next few months, the big uh, show that Ring of Honor has going, uh, Villain Enterprises will be defending their six-man world tag team titles. I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's going to be against Lifeblood. Mm -hmm. So that might might make sense as well for them to kind of set that program up on Mm -hmm. this Japanese tour as well. But real interesting, obviously the speculation is whether or not we'll be seeing Brody King again in the future... Whether a potential G1 bid is in order for him, which, you know, at first it seemed like it was, but as more and more guys make the case. It seems
1: like he might be the odd man
2: out. He might be the odd man out, but I would love to see him in it, so we'll see. Uh, We talked about Rocky Romero bringing back his Black Tiger mask, which is really cool. Uh, Narita again, going zero and nine. Um, This was real interesting. The last few nights of the uh, tour, El Fantasmo had no music. When his entire run, we've had his music, and then suddenly, complete silence, and then we got the infamous, you know, copyright infringement, and no music. So what's going on here?
1: Somebody heard some heard some music that wasn't supposed to be, like, Somebody
2: there. heard something. Yeah,
1: somebody heard something and was and got, uh, what's his name on the phone? Uh, Harold May, they got him on the phone, and they were like, um... We're gonna need a check And then Harold was like Fuck you <laughs> <laughs> We don't pay for no music you here in New Japan Pro
2: Wrestling He wrote them a check Made it zero, zero, zero dollars zero yes. zero zero yen He made it out to Fuck you Yes And he shipped it off to them He's like The check's on the way They got the check And they're like What is this And he's like Exactly what you think it is <laughs> And he hung up the phone And he put his balls on the table Yes
1: Yes So
2: how about it now but, yeah, so the word on the street, uh, allegedly, no one knows the real scoop on this, but allegedly there was an issue with the copyrights, uh, you know, documents that had to be, like, drawn up. I don't know what that means. But uh, as smart as he is, El Phantasmo has gone to work to start working this into his gimmick and his character on Twitter. Yes. So he, he said basically that he rolled his ankle in the match with Taguchi. That was the only reason he lost him because he wasn't going – to be in the finals of the best super juniors we would no longer be able to listen to his music on his way out.
1: <laughs> i love it i love it that's something that jericho would do
2: later on uh someone basically uh tweeted him and asked about someone messing up the, the the music copyrights and then he tweeted them and said i have the rights to my music i'm not letting you listen to it how about that for a hot scoop? yes
1: yes yes
2: so um yeah that's re- awesome. real interesting we'll, we'll figure out what the true story is here but um I, I hope that it's not an ongoing thing and this, you know, gets resolved and worked out, you know, here shortly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, if you got to spend the money, if it, it will make this dude come off as a bigger star, you obviously believe in him based on how he was booked. Spend the cake. Do it.
2: Yeah, you know, because he's Prince Devitt, right? Yeah. Apparently. You know. Apparently. Um, but you know what? You know, what? I'll, I'll say this. As far as that goes, I actually can see what people are saying when... So we were asked the question a few weeks ago, you know, could he be Prince Devitt? And I dismissed it immediately. I want to kind of like reiterate what I meant by that. My my interpretation of that question is could I see him as being the leader of the Bullet Club, being a star to the level of mm-hmm. Fergal Devitt? And to be honest with you, I can't. Mm-hmm. But in terms of personality, character work, his Charisma and you know all that. I actually can see that, so I wasn't like dismissing that aspect of it. I just think we're in a different age. I couldn't see him usurping Jay White as leader of the Bullet Club, and maybe I sound like a J. White defender here when I'm saying that. Yeah,
1: the Jay White defense squad but, over yeah, here. Yeah, the J.
2: White defense squad. That's not exactly what I mean, but uh no, anyone who's like I can see similarities between those mm-hmm. two. I actually could as well. Mm-hmm. I was thinking when someone asked that question. Could I see him being the leader and taking over and getting to that next level? And I can't see him getting to that next level, personally, based on his in-ring work. But that's just my opinion. Um, Last couple things here. So, um, in this tournament, there was an emerging story about Robbie Eagles uh, and a growing friction, as it would seem, between him and the rest of the Bullet Club and maybe a little bit of an underlying story that maybe he's just a good guy, a good kid that got in with the wrong crowd... (sighs) Have you heard anything about <laughs> I've this? I've heard
1: about this, yes.
2: So, part of the part of the deal was that he respects Will Ospreay. So, you know, we know that Will Ospreay brought him into the Bullet Club. Will Ospreay was upset originally when he decided not to join Chaos but instead joined the Bullet Club, kind of took the easy route, took the shortcut, mm-hmm. but throughout this tournament, he's shown respect to Will. And when it came down to them to have time for them to have their big match, uh, there was an issue where El Fantasma who He was in the same block with Eagles and actually, you know, used a lot of underhanded tactics and kind of worked heel in his match with Eagles to pick up his win there. So there was already a bit of friction. But then during the match with Will Ospreay, um, Robbie Eagles didn't want any interference. He wanted to beat him fair and square, have honor, you know, do what he does. And instead, El Fantasmo helped him cheat to win, which he was upset because it wasn't that Fantasmo wanted to see him win. And was so adamant about him getting the two points. It was more about the fact that he'd already beaten Robbie Eagles. He was further ahead of him in the points total. So if he beat Will Osprey, who he who Fantasmo had also beat, mm-hmm. that would give him a leverage and, a, and an advantage. And he was upset about the tactics. He was upset about the motives. And it kind of started to cause a small rift. And we've had a lot and I of... I would
1: imagine, like, Robbie wanted the satisfaction. Like, like you remember... I gotta know. That's a, that, it. That what he didn't get to find out. He didn't who, get to win on his own merit.
2: Who said I gotta know? What's that from?
1: It was uh, that Shawn Michaels talking to Hogan? Oh, I gotta <laughs> know. You know. I had to know. <laughs> yeah, I just had to know.
2: You know. Remember Sean's promo the next night on Raw after that? Did you ever see that? I didn't know. So so he oh he, he goes back right to being back to a babyface, right? He comes out the next night and he was like, Hogan was. I had to know, and I found out that Hogan's skill, his prowess, his catches, catch Ken Acumen. He was too much for me to handle. <laughs> I wasn't on his level last night. Buried him. <laughs> he was like his speed, his velocity. He was just too much. He still has it. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then he's like, but guess what? One of us is here tonight and one of us isn't. So the show goes on. Bro, that's great. And then he moved into a program with Chris Masters immediately. Unbelievable. Yeah, real funny stuff. But, um... Which, by the way, the um, uh, shout out to Muzza, uh Murraybone. He uh, asked me a question, or he sent me something the other day, and he, uh, because it was the anniversary, the man, how how long ago was nineteen eighty three? Thirty
1: six years.
2: Yeah, it's the thirty sixth year anniversary of Hulk Hogan winning the first ever IWGP tournament against uh, uh, Antonio Inoki. It just passed the other day. So uh, shout out to Hulk Hogan. Congratulations, man. He, uh, you know, he knocked out Inoki. Shoot. That was real. And, you know, and he's a former IWGP heavyweight champion.
1: According to him. According to him. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. Inoki should have broke his legs.
2: But there's been growing discussion about whether Robbie Eagles even belongs in Bull Club with the fact that they have two juniors already. With the fact that he. Bro, he's selling merch too right he's now. He's sell bro, he's selling merch. People are getting behind him. And he had a excellent showing of himself in this tournament but he's a smaller guy and he's someone who really looks like wrestles like and feels like he should be a baby face and it seems like maybe the company's seeing that and they're starting to kind of like plant the seeds for sees. this so th- yeah and i've already seen articles from you know various writers this guy needs to leave the bull club he needs to get out um so that's something that you know happened throughout this tournament something to keep your eyes on and then the last thing is and we talked a little bit about it, but let's just discuss it real quick Show and Yo, 12 versus 10, what do you think? I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> and I like it because I'm, uh, I, I I wouldn't want to say, like, I'm a Yo supporter. But I hear everyone just talking about shows so much. And I'm like, well, what is what are you guys not seeing Yo? Because Yo is a good wrestler in his own right. And, you know, of course, there's a the gold and silver thing. One of them got gold for a reason, right? I, I think
2: maybe some of it is look, too.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of it could be. Look. Yeah, I think a lot of it could be the look too, and um, I always have the joke that Yo and Seth Rollins are the same guy. And but every
2: every single time we're watching the show, me and Jeremy, and and Yo starts kicking his feet, we're like, "Burn
1: it down!" Yeah, so it's like, I I kind of have 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 a, have a have an affinity for Yo. Like I kind of root for the guy.
2: I, I you know what I I really like Yo as well, and I think that obviously this is a case where, you know what, when people say like. Sean and Marty. Hopefully, both of their careers end up being as good or better than. B- basically, hopefully, both their careers are better than Marty's, and maybe as good as Sean's. I mean, you, who can, you know, that's such a lofty goal, but you yeah. know, somewhere in between there. But the, the the reality of the matter is, Sean and Marty is a great analogy because those are two of the best workers of their time, and that is kind of where Show and Yo are. They're like two of the best junior workers of their time. And uh, yeah, I do see great things for both of them. I don't think it's such a matter of like show, and then Yos the lower guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's what
1: make, people make it really feel like. And I think this was an I attempt think the by New might, Japan a little bit. The, this was a, an attempt by New Japan to kind of like throw that off the scent, essentially.
2: Yeah. So we end this tournament. Uh, I'll go through the blocks real quick, and then we'll move on to our uh, review or previews of Best Super Junior Finals and Dominion. Uh, Takamichi Noku. Picking up no wins. I gotta imagine that that might not have been the case had he not got injured. But he uh, comes out of this tournament winless. Although he might have lost everything. It's very possible. Yeah, given his place in the in the company.
1: Yeah, like he might have put everybody over, and they possible. did. Like you know, Narita and his block had to zero. I know he's a young lion, but I mean he's a crusty old man at this point. So
2: Tiger Mask Four picking up four or two wins with four points. Uh, Next was Yoshinabu Kanemaru, Teton, they both tied with three wins, getting six points in this tournament. Uh, There was a funny moment in one of the tag matches where Teton and Dragon Lee were on opposite sides in a tag match on one of the final nights. And they both got dismasked and were covering their faces. And then they ended up grabbing each other's masks and putting them on and wrestled uh, a portion of the match with the other man's mask on, which was kind of hilarious. Uh, I think it was Teton. I believe it was Teton and Juice. I could be wrong, or I could be wrong about that. But it was definitely. Uh, no, yeah, I'm getting all this mixed up. But yeah, it was that. That definitely happened. It was real funny. Uh, next up, Jonathan Gresham picks up four wins in this tournament, eight points.
1: I predicted uh, a, a, a smooth zero for him, so it, w- it wasn't too off.
2: Yeah, you uh, you threw away your bracket by doing I, that. I did a gimmick
1: bracket. And I was I was in
2: third last time we checked. Yeah, you might have won this thing. We don't know. <laughs>
1: Bro, if I won this thing with a gimmick bracket I am taking the victory lap of all victory <laughs> laps uh, on, on all the listeners. I'm like you let someone that that, that that basically did a gimmick bracket win you should be ashamed of yourselves but um yeah.
2: Just above him um, tying for third place. Show and Marty Skrull both picking up five wins, ten points each. Very respectable and in any other block that might have almost gotten you to the finals it wasn't quite enough but uh Real interesting show. A guy who was pretty low on the brackets last year, tying with Marty Skrull, who's been a stalwart of this division in the past.
1: That that only tells me one thing: one guy's going up, one guy's going down or out. He's out. Yeah,
2: he's uh, getting that comedy, I think.
1: Yeah, I think. We'll see. We the mythical Marty Skrull contract that we the net the, that the, nobody the, knows. Yes, the the end date is February thirty third. February.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then. Uh, Coming in second place, we had Taiji Ishimori and Dragon Lee, the current reigning IWGP Junior Champion, uh, tying with seven wins, 14 points each. Obviously, Shingo defeated Dragon Lee early in this tournament, which disqualified him from getting the win. But Ishimori going into the final night with a possibility of winning this tournament. So they tie... Uh, obviously, that makes a lot of sense. Two of the most established guys in the division, and then Shingo Tagagi, nine wins, zero losses, eighteen points—the most dominant uh, block victory in the history of this tournament. Which tells you what this company thinks of this guy.
1: He's just a man, like every and I and I find myself saying that every time I watch. He's a Shingo. man's man, like like William Regal, like bro. Like you want to have a beer with Shingo, you want to be if you get in a fight, you want Shingo to have your back. Yeah. You see him wrestle, and then it's like all these dudes are just bouncing off of him. And yeah. he's just standing there with the broad shoulders, and he's got the pants pulled up high like a wrestler in the mid-90s, up to the belly button. And he's just like...
2: Looking like Mil Mascaras.
1: Yes, damn near. Like Chris Jericho <laughs> in, in, in the mid-90s had the belly button covered up, and then he's just like I'll a tell you, savage.
2: I'll tell you what, when I go to the gym, I, I, I put up pictures of Shingo for inspiration. yes. And I try to fight with the heart of a dragon. Yes. But uh, So Shingo picks up the, the, the block. Shingo. Shingo. Real dragon. The real dragon. <laughs> Not them fake dragons on yes. Game of Thrones. Yes.
1: Uh, I totally agree with Jeremy on that. You know, they're the only dragons I know.
2: Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. They ruined my show. They did. <laughs> uh, in the B block, picking up zero wins, no lo- or nine losses, zero wins, zero points. Ren Narita at the bottom of the block. Uh, just above him, picking up one win, two points, Doki. So who did Doki beat? Uh, he, he beat Ren Narita. That's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> Boy. Boy, you sorry.
2: <laughs> he was the one guy I thought Narita might beat or, either that or Rocky Romero, and he didn't.
1: Right. Even Gato that. ain't disrespect him that much.
2: Um, coming in uh, with three wins, six points, Rocky Romero, although he did Uh, Tap out that punk bitch El Phantasmo fair and square in a banger of a match. Oh What a what a great night? Um, Coming in next uh, we had a tie uh, five wins ten points each Bandito and Robbie Eagles the big difference here Eagles kind of leading throughout the tournament and having a bid to Potentially win this tournament Bandito kind of picking up his wins playing spoiler at the very very end here and kind of getting a slow start throughout the tournament And then um, for second place, we had a four-way tie, uh, four different guys with 12 points, real creative booking from um, Gato kind of – because not all these guys were in contention, but they all kind of finished in the same (laughs) slot, so it kind of makes them look better than they were, but – uh, Yo, Bushi, El fantasmo and Rizuki Taguchi all pick up uh, six wins, twelve yeah, points. It,
1: it, this Bushi shit blows me. Like, I think that blows me more than the Taguchi shit. Yes, Bushi's so popular, bro.
2: Bro, he's so popular. popular. He's a jag, bro, like, <laughs> He's a jag in a mask. In all fairness, he was a better wrestler before his injuries. Okay, that is true. He he had that neck fusion, that one that you know Edge and Lita and all and Stone Cold, all those guys. Yeah, so that's that's part of it. And then picking up seven wins, winning the block, uh, the aerial assassin will Osprey. Okay. Any final thoughts on this tournament? I
1: I've, I've heard a lot of people pontificate that it is in the running for the greatest, best of Super Juniors tournament ever. And you know, I don't know. I haven't seen. I wouldn't seen, agree with that. I, I haven't seen other ones like throughout history. Uh, it's it's not like something I can just reel off memory, like it's a king of the ring tournament or something. but um I think anytime you even get that conversation brought up, like I think that you're doing something good.
2: I think that this was one of the most excellently booked tournaments
1: right. um I think that and the, consider who they didn't have in the tournament this year, like man,
2: the the stories were great. The nights were interesting. The cards were great. in terms of just pure match quality, you know, like apples to apples I don't think it compares To last year's tournament And I think there are Some tournaments That might have been better But it's gotta be up there It's definitely Gotta be up there But I think that What really made it Was the booking And the story. Right
1: They had to lean on Either guys that have Been there a long time Like Rocky yeah. Or Taguchi or people that have just getting their feet wet, like Phantasmo or Robbie Eagles or uh, Shingo, Jonathan like, Gresham. Jonathan
2: Gresham showed up. Bandito. And, they did bring in some guys. Some guys shined. Some guys really were really, really great. Some guys disappointed. But overall, it was a fantastic tournament. But as far as the way they booked these finals, this might be the most anticipated finals in the history yeah. of the tournament. Like
1: this is a, this is a main event match anywhere.
2: Yeah absolutely absolutely so i really did enjoy this tournament quite a bit and me and jeremy are going to give our grades and our final thoughts next week but um let's move on so we're going to talk now about the big show coming up in two days the best of the super juniors finals coming to you for the first time from uh sumo hall man and we don't even have the full card announced we've got three matches announced but these three matches are just so, so unique. Bangers. Oh, and you know what? Actually, I apologize. Before we move on, we had a couple questions we did. regarding the best Super Juniors. I want to get to those. This is usually Jeremy's job, so I'm, <laughs> I'm slacking. But uh, we had a question from Muzza underscore 44. What up, Murray? Uh, he asked, Murray
1: Bone. I, I'm still not entirely convinced that that's, that's, a, that's a shoot name. Yeah, me either. Whatever that's, your name is. That's a
2: worker's name. Yeah, Murray Bone. Uh, shout out to, to Muzza. He was on the show last week filling in for me while I was dealing with uh, mental issues like I was uh, Will Ospreay. But no, in, in all seriousness, I did have some, some pretty serious uh, things going on in my personal life that prevented me from being on the show. And he stepped in at the 11th hour. Uh, I know, you know, probably... Many of you weren't used to me not being on the show. I do appreciate you guys for tuning in. Unfortunately, you got Rich on the show with me this week, so we're getting it all twisted, all messed up.
1: So we had a we had the wild
2: car rule in effect. Wild, wild car rule, right? yeah. <laughs> but um, he asked us, but I hey Murray, I really do appreciate it uh, coming in clutch. Thank you so much, and thank you guys for listening. He asked us, has the young boy finally learned the error of his ways and now knows that ELP is great? P.S. I miss Jeremy. Not a question. But the honest truth. Well, I want to say right now, Murray, uh, I miss Jeremy too. Because he does all this stuff for me. And it's hard. (laughs) Hey, Jeremy, Uh, come back. Come back. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Um, Have I learned the error of my ways? I'll tell you. I think I addressed how I feel about ELP. I'll I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think he's great. But, again, I don't don't have as much uh, exposure to him as many of you do. If you guys swear that he's great. Awesome, but at this point I've seen You know, six, seven Almost eight of his matches I think he is a talented And athletic Guy, I don't think he's the smartest Worker, and if you know anything about Me as a wrestling fan, I'm all About that psychology, and Some of you might say, well he's doing great character work I don't think he is. I think it's, like, real lazy, real sloppy. His run in this tournament reminds me a lot of Jay White's G1 last year. Mm -hmm. The same stuff every night. Now, did Jay White turn out to be a fantastic worker? He did, but we were pretty low on him before that juice match last year. Uh, Now, I think that ELP is obviously a much much better character than Jay was, a much more uh, charismatic guy. He's getting over with the crowd he has a lot of upside he has a great look there are things that people like about him i don't but and i see all that stuff but i don't like his wrestling
0: mm-hmm. his
2: wrestling's not that good he just does some flashy stuff his match structure is not good to me and in this tournament that really mattered a lot because you know and he did have some good matches mm-hmm. the rocky romero match was incredible the will osprey match was incredible but I didn't feel like he was the star of either of those matches. I don't feel like he made either of those matches. Um, you know, and I don't want to bury him too much, but yeah, I I'm not up on ELP yet. Now, I'll tell you this, I'm a flexible guy. If I see him be great, I'll turn around and I will change my mind and I will get on the ELP bandwagon. I'm just not there yet.
1: Yeah, I, I saw him that tag match before the tour and I was like well, I'm in. So. I, oh, <laughs> like, oh, oh, I was too.
2: My anticipation for him in this tournament was really high off of that yeah. match, but then it was a lot of the same stuff over and over and over and over and that over can, again. Be,
1: And that can be fatiguing, like especially like when you, you start figuring out someone's patterns, and then you're like, oh, here comes the bullshit. Like, and, yeah, but
2: some guys have the same pattern, like Will Ospreay and you never get tired of it. I mean, it, it wasn't the pattern. That's different. It was. <laughs> it wasn't the pattern. It was the structure, uh-huh. or the lack thereof. It's just real plotting and real meandering. And you know what? I know I'm in the minority. There are a lot of – I've seen discussions online where people talk about this guy and they love him. But then there's always those one or two or three guys that are in the comments who feel the same way I do. So I know I'm not alone in this. Mm-hmm. It's not just – I'm not just an outlier who's the one guy. There are other people who feel this way. But I do think for overall, I will say the majority of people do. You know, they're, they're on – you know, they're in with this guy. So uh, no – um, another question we had from Asai underscore Jimbo, Do you think Robbie Eagles will eventually leave Bullet Club? If so, how? So we kind of discussed this a bit and, and talked about it and said, yeah, it kind of seems like they're planting the seeds. How do you see this playing out? I
1: mean – Or how
2: would you do it if you had the book, if you're Gato?
1: <laughs> if I was Gato and I had him and I and I would, I would link Phantasmo to the story because he's already an integral part. I guess you – Put them in the Super Junior Tag League together, and you have Ooh. you have a fallout there somehow. Like like either you know they can win it and then come up short. Like whenever whenever they challenge, they win that. the
2: tournament, they come up short, and then it causes the rift, and then maybe they end up splitting off yeah. that. Yeah, that that's a good. I actually think that that's a great way to go. I agree yeah. with you. So that's a great question. Thank you guys for the question. So let's discuss best the Super Junior Finals. Let's start with the match that is on everybody's mind. The match that we had no idea we were getting. This match is for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. We have the defending champion Juice Robinson defending against the Mystery Man, the Times Up Man, the one, the only John Moxley.
1: Unbelievable, as Biggie Smalls once said, "Track 16 are ready to die." Um, this guy. Now, if you want more John Mosley covers, I don't know how much we're going to talk about it today. I did a whole show yesterday breaking down like the podcast with with James. Like about we,
2: we don't have to break it down, but I have notes on all that. I want to right. talk about I want to talk about him debuting at Double or Nothing. I want to talk about his talk as Jericho, the Wade Keller stuff, twenty five years later interview, yeah. the time up video, all of it because he's been doing a lot yes. of incredible press,
1: and, and it's been going on longer now we know than we would have even thought. Like he's this video, or the, the original video that he announced on his Twitter, which shot back in February, this thing that's been playing even before the Best of the Super Junior tour. Um, no,
2: it started on the Best of Super Junior. Oh, okay. Well, it, I started, it was It started right. at the end of Dantaku. Okay. Yeah.
1: You're, you're
2: right. I apologize.
1: So, and it's just been like, yo, whatever it is, it sounds cool. The music is great. Spoiler alert, that's how we're ending the show. <laughs> um, but the, um, The whole – it threw you off because you saw the UK flag in there and everyone assumed it was from the UK. And then just like Moxley, he's so quiet on social media and he has dumped that on his head and become almost the most compelling guy in wrestling right now.
2: Well, one thing too is like I didn't think of Moxley because even though his contract was coming to a close and even though he had just left the company, he had literally just left the company – this video started airing like a day or two days after he left the company and after he debuted that video that set the world on fire. But me and Jeremy, we're kind of in our own New Japan world bubble. You know, we're, we're discussing right. this company. I'm not thinking about the idea that maybe they had this in the works all along. As as a good friend of the show, James Boyd, likes to say, this man was tampered with.
1: Yes. They tampered yes. with his
2: contract. Yes. Because they, they had this video ready to go just days. All Gator
1: had to do was press a button. They pressed a
2: button. Press a damn button. Yeah. They pressed a button and, and they had it ready to go. But, you know, like you said, that, that uh, UK flag was a red herring. Um, the other thing, too, why I didn't think – a couple reasons I didn't think it was John Moxley. In my mind, I'm thinking Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose isn't a guy that I've ever thought I would see in New Japan or even considered about being in New Japan. Right. The other thing, too, is something about this, this these videos – was very mind games-ish you know it reminded me of like a 90s undertaker not that it would be a uh, a dark character but you know he's playing mind games and like to me it's like i think of dean ambrose i think of the lunatic fringe like this crazy guy who like doesn't have nuance and doesn't play mind games with people i mean he is crazy but like i don't think of him as being this i'm still thinking of that character Mm -hmm. dean ambrose so i'm not thinking of a guy who's like playing subtle games with Juice, and what would their connection even be? Now we know it's the FCW connection and all that, but I would have never pieced these two together. Yeah, Never in a million years.
1: It's crazy. And I think the fact he's coming in immediately, I think he has to beat Juice. Um, And I I don't know, and this red belt is kind of like, it's been... It's been a Kenny Omega vanity belt before. It's been something to get Jay White over. It's been something they completely forgot about with, with Cody. It's been something they had on Juice to just, just let him get beat like a drum. So if they're ever going to like do like
2: experiments, this is the perfect belt to do it with. Well, we, we we sat here for so many weeks considering all the possibilities, who it might be, going through all the different you know usual suspects and kind of speculating. This is one where... Keeping a strong style was way off base. We didn't have it right. Nobody had it right. There was nobody online that was like, "It's gonna be Moxley." No one was saying that. So he kind of pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. But it became apparent uh, last week after Double or Nothing. So let's kind of go through the timeline here. So Double or Nothing happens. We close the show at the end of the main event. Uh, you know, Jericho standing, and suddenly John Moxley comes out. Tell us what your thoughts were with that.
1: Oh my God! I can't believe it. It's not a work. All you damn ass heads that were, um, you know, would run this. It's a work propaganda. Shout out to Ricky. <laughs> Ricky is not an asshead. Ricky called me the day after <laughs> and, and reached out to me, so I did not have to reach out to him. So forever, and Ricky is observing Ramadan right now. So, sh- so best wishes to Ricky. Um, but everyone else that was on the internet. You can go to
2: hell. You can go to hell. <laughs> 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 oh, my and, God.
1: And, and, you know, the whole thing, you later find out, even WWE didn't know, or he didn't know why WWE did the deal with announcing he wasn't going to resign. So they just shrouded this guy in mystery. Well, so we'll, we'll,
2: we'll get to that, and we'll discuss the uh, the interviews, because I know you have thoughts yeah, on that. But, but,
1: like, as far as Double or Nothing, like, he, he immediately inserted himself at the top of the wrestling world, going right after Chris Jericho, going right after Kenny Omega, and that seems like it's going to be his first program. And then you start finding out, oh, okay, he can work internationally. Okay, he's uh, he's going to be a big draw around the world.
2: Right. And even then, once we knew like that the word was coming out, like he had the ability to work other places, we still weren't putting the pieces together. Right. They
1: were like, international. i will like, oh, maybe he'll go to the UK or something. Like, <laughs> it, you
2: know. He might... But- he might show for a death match in Big Japan. Yeah, you know. Sure. Why would New we, Japan New Pro Japan Wrestling? New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course he's gonna go to New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're freaking idiots. We yeah. don't know anything. We yeah. got work. Simple marks. That's all we are. <laughs> so he comes out Double or Nothing. We had our party here. If you guys haven't listened to uh, my review of uh, Double or Nothing on uh, All Things Elite, we had a huge pay per view party. We had a great time watching uh, AEW. Which, by the way we're not going to talk discuss that show in depth but that show has revitalized my fandom in pro wrestling. Yes. One yes. of the, one of the best North American pay-per-views in all of history. Better, I would actually go on record right now and say it's better than every single main roster pay-per-view that WWE has ever produced. Uh, you know, they they had a five-star match as rated by Dave Meltzer on their very first show which some companies never have one of those which is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. But um yeah, they topped it all off with Moxley coming out. So, just the 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 pop that he got that night, the surprise, the the probably the heat that's backstage at WWE, everything and you going know, into this.
1: And you know, like there's there are moments when you're a wrestling fan, right? That you won't forget. Yes. And it's not only the moment that's happening; it's what you feel when it's happening. And I felt like I was watching the birth of. A new era. Like I've seen him come out of the Dean Ambrose costume that he had been putting on for all these years, and then reveal himself to be this new star. And really, the potential is unlimited. I said it on One Nation Radio. You can say whatever you want about his wrestling and everything like that. And we have been spoiled since 2016 with the amount of great matches that that have happened in wrestling. And it's like. I love all the five-star matches. I love the breaking the scale. I love everything about that. But there's going to be nothing more compelling than a person's voice that can talk to you, that
2: has that ability. Well, he cut an incredible promo after Double or Nothing, talking about how he's going to shake the pillars of this industry, which was awesome. I feel like this is the most seismic debut and... You know, on-screen moment that has happened in pro wrestling since probably Jericho showed up in New Japan, mm-hmm. and prior to that, like what what comes to mind prior to that? It's like what the pipe bomb. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about big moments, and that's how big this moment was. After that, um, throughout the week, they finally announced that he would be uh, showing up. That he was the times up guy. They they played the video and finally announced that Moxley was coming June fifth. To Sumo Hall We still didn't know what that meant We didn't know if it meant he was (laughs) going to show up and and confront Juice If he's going to just sneak attack him They're going to have a a press conference If they're going to have a future match Or if it'd be a title shot We did not know They made it official earlier this week uh, Or last week I should say That he would be challenging on this show For the title against Juice Robinson But before we talk about that Let's talk about these interviews that he's been uh, cutting. So he did one earlier on Wednesday. With uh, he came on and did Talk Is Jericho, which is one of the most renowned podcasts. They're doing almost the same numbers that Keeping It Strong Style does every week. <laughs> but uh, he was on Talk Is Jericho. Then he followed it up with a two-part interview with on the Wade Keller podcast. And then he did a, uh, a, a print interview. A, a print interview with 25 years later, and everything he's been saying has been. He's just been
1: spitting flames. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't say that. Like, he's been, like, you know, whatever, but he's... Like, it's a dumpster fire, but, like, yeah. he's spitting...
2: He's, he's Dylon.
1: Yeah. He spits hot fire, y'all. Spitting yo. fire. Like, he, he's melting, like, you know, he he's he's pretty much confirming everything that everyone thought about that
2: company. Who are the five greatest talkers in wrestling? Moxley, 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 Moxley and Moxley right now. He spits
1: hot fire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he he basically confirmed, just with painstaking detail, everything that we thought sucked, he thought sucked. And basically exposed the creative process and Vince McMahon and everything that has to do with that. And people that have been over backwards so far, they come out on the other side to carry Vince McMahon's water. They were in yeah. silence all week.
2: It, it, you know, there's a lot that he discussed. He discussed the creative process. He discussed the the problems with Vince's methodology and his ways of thinking. He talked about, you know, uh, he on the Wake Keller podcast. He talked at length about things like stuff with Roman, stuff with Austin, stuff with Brock, and you should definitely listen to those when if you get a chance. He also discussed uh, coming to New Japan, and he. He Talked about the fact that when he would Wrestle with he only has wrestled in Japan according to him on the podcast with WWE they'd always go to sumo hall And he said that of all the places he Wrestled that was his favorite because he liked the Japanese Culture but he never got to do it In the true Japanese presentation It was always the WWE product and if you know Anything about WWE it's still WWE Yeah. He said so the fact that he gets to make his Debut in this company wrestling For New Japan in the in the building That he's wrestled in so many times but in This new format that's incredible. One thing I want to focus on, aside from just all the anti WWE stuff, is how this guy is reinvigorated for pro wrestling and how he's saying that he's going to change his entire concept, his entire gimmick, his entire move set, everything he's doing. That
1: is like admirable to hear that because he's a guy that's made a bunch of money in the business. He doesn't. There's no reason for him to feel this hungry except that. It's inside of him. Yeah. And he loves it. Yeah. And that's always, you know, as fans, I think we identify more with wrestlers that want to really put their all into it, whether it be for themselves or for us, right? Now, with Moxley, he's going to write the rest of his career on his terms. He's He's been bottled up forever, and him deciding, like, I'm going to start doing different moves. I'm going to start, you know, wrestling all around the world and doing different styles. You can only admire that. And if you don't, you're a hater.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so right now Moxley's coming into the into this company as not most likely, but right now the hottest like star in all of pro wrestling. He's got the most buzz and he's taking on Juice Robinson, a guy who Came to this company and decided, even though he had experience, even though he had, uh, you know, that WWE pedigree, he came in as a young line, He came in the right way, and he's been with this company. There was interest just last year from WWE firm to sign over there prior to all the seismic shifts in the in the industry and all the stuff going on with contracts. And he decided to stay with New Japan, and he actually has been doing quite a bit of press for this as well. Um, he talked about. Uh, During one of the the post-match press conferences, he said, John, when you get here, I'm going to punch you in the face, which was awesome. He also um, did a press conference on May 28th announcing that it would be a title match. Uh, You can actually watch that on NJPW World or on YouTube. He also was featured on Chris Charlton's podcast, the NJPW Official English Podcast, Episode 5. And he talked in depth about the history between these two competitors and what this kind of means to him. He did have an interesting take where he said it doesn't matter if he wins or loses. He plans to win, but regardless, he's in a win-win situation because if he wins, then he or if he loses, then he's basically losing to the hottest star in the entire company. The fact that he was matched up and entrusted to be the first match for John Moxley in New Japan shows the that they see him on that same level. Hell, his first match anywhere. Anywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before he even has the matches with AEW, right. so they see him at. It elevates him because he's going up against the hottest star in all of wrestling. People are going to have their eyes on it. This isn't quite Kenny Omega versus Jericho, but in a sense, it's akin to that same idea that they trust him to be the guy to bring him in and to kind of get him over. And he's like, and the thing is, is I've wrestled this style. I know this style. I can make this guy, and if I lose, I'm losing to the hottest star. All eyes are gonna be on me. He's like, but the thing is, if I beat him, then I'm made. Yes. And so I love that idea. He did talk about their time in, in uh, Florida Championship Wrestling and everything like oh, that.
1: When I mean, he lost to him, he's like the essentially the equivalent of a young boy. So FCW <laughs> Cannon, yeah, in, uh, in New Japan. Who knew?
2: Yeah. So that's that's awesome. But this match with Juice and Moxley, let's talk about it for a minute. What are your anticipations, and are you excited to see like Mox here? Where Do you, do you think he's lose, going over? you think Juice is losing? I
1: think Juice is losing. Do you? Yes. I, I, I don't think Moxley's taking a plane uh, to Japan to go lay his shoulders on the mat. Uh, I think New Japan's best uh, strategy right now is to get the <laughs> IWGP uh, U.S. title on him. Maybe for the summer, like, you know, there's there's no reason really for that belt to be around during the G1. I mean, spoiler alert, maybe Moxley's in the G1 as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty much counting on it. He's he's dropping hints like he's going to be doing that. We did. I think you bring the guy into the company for his first appearance strong.
2: We did get a question from uh, Reddit user I L ILMonaco1900. He says, do you think Moxley will enter the G1?
1: I think he will. And he as we were saying earlier with Brody King, like more people are kind of like circling the wagons on looking like they could be G1 entrance. He might be a guy that's outside. Uh, John Boxer would definitely be a guy inside. And this might be something like a a, a bucket list item. It might be the only time he ever gets to do this again, because um, from now on, like AWTV will be running uh, after that. And uh, he has that free gap in his schedule where there are no dates. There are no movie shoots. There are no uh, autograph signings. It's all free dates for the G1. It's there for a reason.
2: So I will say this. um, As far as Juice and and Moxley goes, I think it is interesting that they're giving... um, They're giving juice the opportunity to face john moxley i've got my reservations about john moxley coming into the company not that he's not a great wrestler not that he can't go but i've never seen him wrestle the japanese style i think it makes a lot of sense that they're they're putting him in there with a guy like juice who has wrestled on the us indies who has wrestled in wwe who's probably a little bit more accustomed to the style of wrestling that mox might bring in mox did say that when he comes in, he's going to be a different guy, but he did allude to a brawling style, mm-hmm. you know, which might mean he comes in similar to, like, how Sammy Callahan was in New Japan when he was here, or even Chris Jericho.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it is kind of interesting how many, guy, like, U.S. indie guys, when they get to New Japan, if they're not used to the style, they start brawling. Like, yeah, that's their go-to. You know what it,
1: you know what it is? I, what I think it is, I think it's, like, Wrestlers being wrestlers and studying the history of like what Americans always did in like Japan. Madgins. Yeah, like oh, I'm gonna go over there and be Bruiser Brody or Stan I'm Hansen. I'm gonna be Terry Funk. Like, and it's like, no, you're not gonna be Terry Funk well, or Bruiser Brody or any of those. People. I mean, John Moxley, unless you're Chris Jericho. Although but, I
2: will say, John Moxley has a lot of similarities to Terry Funk. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, um, I got real apprehensions and hesitations about. John Moxley coming to New Japan. Any, t- we've had questions for, you know, a long time on the show. Would you like to see Dean Ambrose in W or in New Japan? People have asked us that so many times, and I've always been like, I can't see it. And mm-hmm. I've and Jeremy said, I can't see it. I could never ever mm-hmm. see it. Now it's happening, and we're gonna see it. And I don't know what to expect. And I'm excited for it, but I'm also like, is he gonna be able to hang?
1: Right. It better work. Like yeah. like it. Because <laughs> He's, he's kind betting of a, on
2: himself. It's like a gamble because he's coming... Now, maybe I'm a fool for not believing in him. Maybe I should just believe in him. And that's kind of the vibe I'm starting to get. Yeah. But it is kind of a gamble that, like, AEW's letting their biggest, hottest free agent come in and have a match in New Japan before he's even been on TV, before he's even had any matches for them. So that kind of shows a level... It's not that they have a say in it, but a le- somewhat a level of trust that this is even happening in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think that they're is a possibility John Moxley would be in the G1. Uh, when this first was discussed in our group thread, people were like, he won't do it, he won't do it. And I was like, "John is the kind of guy who A, wants to do it, and B, is crazy enough to do it. And if he's not gonna, like you said, if he's not gonna do it now, wait, when? This is his time. Yeah. This is his time to be that foreigner from another company. This is very akin to like, a lot of those WCW guys doing G1s back in the like mid
0: 90s
1: or something like Rick yeah. Rude
2: or Flair. Scott Norton or Flair or any number of these guys that's what John Moxley is here and I'm all for it you know we've every year we get these G1s and they're always amazing but it's been a long time since we had an outsider come in and be in one of these tournaments and you know, I think the last time that someone notable was here was, like, Marafuji, you know, and it's been a while. I mean, we
1: had Dookie, you know. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> that's super genius. We're talking about G1, sir. But um, my my last couple thoughts about this before we move on. Moxley winning the title is a possibility because you've got to imagine. It's like, I don't think he's coming here to take an L. right? But at the same time, I can't imagine... Him holding the belt in New Japan and if that even would be a good thing unless he's going to stick around and defend it. So it's like if he wins it, then I think he's definitely going to be in the G1 because you've got to have the champion in the G1. You don't want him doing a Chris Jericho or a Cody and just – People will get upset. People will get mad if he just mercs with the, the title. And the thing is um, I think I would be too because we've kind of given allowance to New Japan for letting these foreign stars from WWE come in and do this. But if they just do it again, now we're setting a bad precedent. Now we've got a bad habit. Now it's devaluing things with the titles and the book. They do
1: have to be careful with that. And I I think they can't get caught in the trap of, like, you know, we always joke, Western expansion. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I think they have kind of slowed their strategy down. But I think Mox is a perfect guy to, like, kind of fill that gap as, like, a... Freelancer, because like you know, I think Jay White's only going to go so far in this country right. as being having that appeal. But if you can combine him with a will, with a Moxley, with a Saber, like I, I think he's a good like stopgap.
2: Well, I think the thing is, Juice is not as big of a deal in the states as John right, is, right. but John's not as big of a deal as Juice is in, in over there, not yet. And so I think this is a great way to draw Western audiences to put eyes on this. The other thing, too, is that it elevates juice because even if he's – John's not a big deal over there, you got to imagine that the fans over there are hearing the buzz. They know about AEW. Yeah, they've seen the videos. They, they've seen the videos. They know what's going on. Plus, they did an incredible job with the the uh, the vignettes that built to this match that we talked about. So the hype is here and the hype is real. Um, I'm going to also predict that Jon Moxley wins this. I don't know how good the match is going to be. I'm hoping if it's over three and a half, then it's probably going to be a success. But, you know, we're going to learn how good John Moxley is, you know, because we talked about how bad Jay White was for so long, and he got an incredible match out of Juice. Not that Juice is a bad wrestler. Juice is a great wrestler. Yeah, I,
1: I like Juice. And I, and I think this, this might also
2: tell us how good of a wrestler Juice is. And,
1: and we always hear about how when people people are bottled up in WWE having the same
2: matches over and over, now you got a freedom. Let's see it. There's always a learning curve, though. A lot of those guys, when they come out, they're not at their best. It, sometimes it takes a little while for them mm-hmm. to get their feet wet, to get acclimated. So I'm not like expecting a match of the year caliber match here, but I'm I'm hoping that a guy gets over whether it's in loss or a win. Right. But I am concerned about where Juice goes from here if he does lose. I'm also concerned about where what this means for the title going forward. Yeah. But I think that this is very exciting. The fact that they're in Sumo Hall. This really feels like a big deal. So this is exciting. Yeah,
1: this is definitely one of the. Um, when this match got announced, it's like, okay, I knew the Jay White and Tanahashi match was there. I knew Shingo and Will. This is like something different. This yeah. gives this gets New Japan out of the New Japan bubble. Yes. And. Yeah, this this
2: is like suddenly a huge show. Yes. Suddenly. So, um, and we knew it would be being Sumo Hall, but this is awesome. So, let's move on to the next match of the night. We have uh, the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, taking on the leader of the Bullet Club, the Switchblade, Jay White.
1: It's time to get them wins back. <laughs> the ace rise again. <laughs> oh, my God. It's time to get, it's time to get them wins back.
2: So to make it simple, we got a question from uh, Rambones underscore Slam Pig. He asked, "Who do you think will get the win in the Tanahashi Jay White match?"
1: The Ace. (laughs) Look, the 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 he he took two sores off. You know, he he had a legitimate injury. Um, It was legit. I I know, I know, and and then and, and then he got to rest. For the whole Super Junior Tour. So best believe he's coming back. The hair will be intact. The hair will be immaculate. And he will hit the high fly flow on Jay White to get this win back.
2: Uh, This is definitely a crossroads match. So the last time we saw Jay White and Tanahashi wrestling was earlier this year during the New Beginning Tour. Tanahashi had just come off of his IWGP victory over Kenny Omega in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. And in his very first title defense, he lost to the surging Jay White. Uh, Now we're in June, and it's a very different complexion for both guys. As you mentioned, Tanahashi is coming off injury. He's had some time off. He lost the belt. He lost his feud with Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, He didn't have such a uh, great going in the New Japan Cup this past year. So he's kind of... um you know, had some some time off and, and suffered some losses, whereas Jay White was riding high and went into that main event uh, at Madison Square Garden against uh, um, Kazushika Okada. He also dropped the title in his first defense to Okada in New York. We were there in attendance. An incredible match. Awesome match. Those are two of the best matches of the year. They were both matches that Jay White was involved in. And I thought that the Tanahashi-White match was the best match that these two have had together. They do have quite a history going back. They've had uh, last year three matches together. They wrestled – or actually, I'm sorry, two matches last year. And then they had a match previously at at a Wrestle Kingdom when Jay White returned. They wrestled at the G1 last year. They also wrestled uh, for the uh, title opportunity at Dominion last year. Or was that – no, I'm sorry, King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, it was King of Pro Wrestling. Of Pro Wrestling. So, um, Tanahashi and White, they are tied two and two. This is their fifth match together, um, unless you count the Young Lion match, which I don't. Um, Tanahashi did do an interview. You can catch, uh, read it. Real interesting. It was on NJPW 1972, where he discussed the fact that even though he was the um, the ace of the uh, Heisei era, he wants to also come into the Reiwa era and still be the ace. <laughs>
1: Tanahashi, that doesn't shock me at all Like, Tanahashi's the type like, yeah When I'm 50, I still want to be The IWGP Heavyweight Champion Tanahashi doesn't shock me at all But
2: no titles on the line, but both of these guys Coming off of major losses, it's a crossroad yeah, match yeah. And uh, you kinda gotta wonder where they go from here Because these are two guys who are rebuilding at this point
1: Yeah, um it, it It's such a weird time because Dominion is literally days later. And it's like, where do both of these guys end up on the Dominion card? Do they have an immediate rematch? Do they, like, you know, one of them challenge for uh, whoever wins the U.S. title match? Like, is this, like, some kind of eliminator? Uh,
2: well, we did talk about earlier in the year how it was a ballsy move for, the, for New Japan to have this very ambitious uh, schedule that they had. And the fact that they're going from Sumo Hall to Osaka- or that's where Dominion is, osaka Jamal yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just days later. And so it does kind of feel like in the past they might not have had these these types of matches split between these two cards, and maybe this would have been on the Dominion card, but instead they've kind of split it, and it does feel like, well, where do they go from here? I don't know. I've, I've got a feeling that they might wind up in multi-man matches during Dominion if nobody gets hurt or killed or anything like that. But, um, yeah, you got to wonder what's going to happen here. I sort of feel like Jay White needs the win more than Tanahashi mm-hmm. does. But then again, you have the G1 right around the corner where both guys can get rehabbed. So who needs the momentum going into the G1 more? I think long-term, Jay White needs the rehab more than Tanahashi does. Like I, think, I think Jay
1: White needs to have a great G1 this year. Oh, he absolutely does. Why? Because last year left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, mine included, um, and... I don't think a loss is the worst in the world for him here because he already is kind of in the uh, like a free fall, sort of. like He's coming to the ring looking upset. You know, He doesn't have the belt with him the last time we've seen him, at least. yeah. And Tanahashi did take a big loss recently. Yeah, you're right. It's a crossover match. He could go either way. Um, I got to
2: tell you, I think Jay White's going to win here. And the reason that I think Jay White's going to win here is because Tanahashi had his redemption story last year. After what we thought might be the end of Tanahashi, after all those injuries with Suzuki, and then, you know, the Crossroads match with Okada, we thought he was done. He suddenly surged during the G1, he came back, beat Kota Ibushi, he headlined against Omega, beat him, won that historic, uh, you know, regained the title. He, he kind of completed that arc. Not to say that Tanahashi's done, I don't think he's done... But I don't think he's going to ascend to that same level, and Jay White is definitely a guy on the rise. We saw him just defeat Goto on the previous tour in a great match, and I feel like Goto's kind of like that step below who represents that, um, you know, kind of like that Heisei sort of guy. The next guy is Tanahashi, a guy that he's got a lot of history with. I think Jay White needs to beat Tanahashi here. Mm-hmm. Whether it's clean, whether it's through nefarious means, I'm not sure. But he he already has the one up on Tanahashi by beating him earlier this year in a clean manner. And Tanahashi is take you know, he's had a lot of time off and he's gonna come back and what's the the usual story? He takes a lot of time off, he comes back and he's good to go. I think he's gonna think he's good to go. He's going to take a loss to Jay White, and he's going to be doubting himself going to the G1. I really do see Jay White picking up the win here. Yeah, man. We will see. We will see. But they do, do dif- they have different matches every time, and so I am looking forward to this, even though we've seen this match several times in the past. In the very recent past, each match has been unique and different from each other, so hopefully this one builds upon what they've done in the past and is really good. And then um, let's talk about the main event the one that we're all here for. We have Will Ospreay taking on Shingo Takagi, the best of the Super Juniors finals, 26. Man.
1: Um, it's like, where do you begin with this? You got an undefeated guy against like the wrestler of the year. Who do you want to beat? Like, do you want to beat Shingo now or do you save that for later? Ooh. I think you save that for later. Uh, if you're because ultimately are we just gonna put the juniors title back on Will Ospreay? We don't quite need that yeah. because Will might be doing saying his swan song to the division. If it was me, um, I could I could see Shingo and and Will having an absolute classic here. Here, Shingo rolling on through Dominion, changing the face of the junior division from this high flying, uh, you know, pretty boy wrestling essentially, and turning it to like, yo, there's. There's a dude here, and, and he's not coming to to deal with anyone's shit. Like, you are going to get destroyed by this man. And eventually, you know, you build up your next star. Maybe even have Hiromu, like, have to fight his own guy, essentially, for the belt. I don't know, but...
2: So this is one of the best-built junior matches in years. You know, Will Ospreay, we thought he sort of kind of graduated from the junior division... Uh, after taking that loss to uh, Marty Scurll during the title eliminators last year for to crown a new champion after um, Hiromu left the division, he stopped having juniors matches, and he started ha- wrestling in, in tags with uh, Tanahashi. He kind of went into the Never Division. He defeated Kota Ibushi. And then all throughout the first quarter of this year, he was defeating heavyweights. He was beating guys like... Um, Uh, He beat Jeff Cobb. Lance Archer. Lance Archer. uh, Who's the guy from uh, Ring of Honor that we don't really love that he beat during the Ring of Honor tour? The guy who always goes like this. He has the boys with him. Dalton Castle. (sighs) Dalton Castle. He beat Dalton Castle. Uh, He's beaten quite a few heavyweights through this run. Uh, Bad luck fallet. You know what I mean? He took Okada to the limit. Like, he's been in the heavyweight division as part of the taiichi all these guys
1: this is just a sign of great booking it's like they've laid uh, foreshadowing with that like him handling heavyweight type guys and then shingo has just been undefeated like so it, and then you what's have, gonna what's gonna give
2: and then you have shingo who's looked like nothing but a juggernaut but all throughout his beginning run he's had no singles matches he had one singles match for shoto amino which was a great match No singles runs He's just looked like a juggernaut He's been in the tag division In the junior title uh, You know They were hiding him They were hiding him Then this tournament came about And he has run roughshod Person after person After person after person He went undefeated Now we're at a point where Will Has actually taken a couple Juniors losses In this tournament Maybe under questionable means But he's still taking losses where Shingo's undefeated, and so you've got this guy who's been in the heavyweight division, who's been winning, who's looked like a better, bigger, more violent version of himself, versus a guy who's always just been a violent version of himself. <laughs> and it's He was born this he way. He was born this way. And it's the match that when people were like, Well, what are they gonna put in Sumo Hall? And it's like, this is the match you gotta do. And and we got it. Bro, they're, I think they're going to the draw
1: off. an incredible crowd. This is like a fever pitch match.
2: This is going to be the biggest uh, Best of Super Junior final in 22 years. Yeah. In terms of what they're they, – it's already determined that that's the case with what they've drawn. Yeah. It might wind up being the biggest Best Super Junior final in history. Um, we saw the face-off that they had on the at the end of the June 3rd show earlier this morning, and it was awesome to see them face-to-face for the first time. Um, Osprey did do an interview on NJP, uh, W1972 that you guys can check out where he discussed what winning this tournament would mean to him. He also talked about how he wants to put, um, juniors on the map and that he wants juniors to start headlining major shows like Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom and, uh, elevate that title. Sounds good. It sounds good. But, um, ultimately it really just comes down to who's going over. And my question to you is this. If Shingo wins and Osprey loses and we assume Osprey's going to the G1 going to the heavyweights does that devalue him and make it is it something where it's like well Osprey lost but it's believable cuz it's Shingo and he's fine and he and he can rehabilitate. I think that's the case. Or is it something where it's like Shingo wins and sh- it's like Shingo needs to leave? Or do both of I those, think both of them eventually of need to leave. Happen. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think both of them eventually need to leave. I don't think either guy will be hurt by a loss because Sh- Shingo... Well,
2: I don't know. Could Shingo be hurt by a loss to Osprey here? With how much they built this up? Cause, but at the same time, he's got to lose at some point. Is this the time that no, you do I
1: don't, it? No, I don't think you you waste this here. Like, if you're going to beat Shingo, that has to be at a Dominion. That has to be... So you think this Wrestle is where Kingdom. they make him? This is where they make him. Like, They'd be like, look, man... Y'all know we protect this dude in the tag teams. We protected him in the um, in the tournament so far. And all he's done is just whoop ass.
2: Yeah. you
1: got to validate the ass whoopings here. And that's what you do with the
2: trophy here. Do you think that there's... What What, what are your expectations as far as the quality of this match? What do you think is going to happen?
1: I think we're staring at like four and three quarters or five stars. And they're going like, to... Shingo's going to do a Dragon Gate match. And Will is going to be with them. Like, whatever you want to do, bro, it's I, on.
2: I think there's a good likelihood, and this might be lofty, but it, they have the potential to do it. The talent that's in the ring, the build, the atmosphere, the layout, this could be the match of the year.
1: It's on the table if they, it's w- on if the they table. want it. If
2: they want it, it's there for the taking. Um, but I got to tell you, I agree with you. I think that they're going to go with Shingo Takagi. Yeah. I think Shingo Takagi is going to win this. Now, another question to you, though. The winner of this is most likely going on to Dominion to face the IWGP Junior Champion, which is Dragon Lee. We just saw Shingo defeat Dragon Lee in the tournament. Right. That would obviously entitle him to a future title shot. But is it too fast, since we just saw that match happen, could we be looking at something where it's a red herring and w- maybe Will Ospreay is actually getting that spot Dominion against Dragon Lee? That
1: is a valid concern. And... You, I I think this is the sign of good booking because there are so like there, every situation creates a, well, what happens next? And then you're compelled by all of them or, or you just don't know. And it's like, well, I guess we got to watch. And then
2: (laughs) how often have we seen it where it's like, well, the obvious answer here is Gato's putting this guy over. And then he does the opposite of it because that's the way he books. There is that possibility. But I got to tell you, the money's on the table to make Shingo. I think this is where you make Shingo. I think there's some people who might be saying in their mind, well, they made Shingo because he went undefeated, and now he doesn't need the win, and he's fine if he takes the loss. No. Like, but I think they need to have him go over him. Right.
1: This would just be... Someone um, flopping at the end of like like getting to the finals like you know going undefeated to the playoffs and then losing in the finals like no you don't get anything for that you still get nothing right like, we don't care you went undefeated you lost like
2: I don't know if it's quite that dramatic but I do see what you're saying and I think it would be a waste of his tournament to have him go undefeated and then take the loss plus like you said the fact that Will's been in this uh, division for a long time it yeah. wouldn't make sense to have him. Um, you know, and then at that point, it's like, okay, so Will wins. Now he's against Dragon Lee. Does he need to beat Dragon Lee and win the title again, or does or does him, does him losing to Dragon Lee make more sense than it would be to Shingo? I think losing to Shingo makes more sense. Right,
1: and because obviously Dragon Lee is going to continue to be a junior, and Shingo is like a either a monster junior or leaving with you.
2: Right, so I I'm in agreement here in agreement, I think Shingo's winning here. Now, we got a couple interesting things that we need to discuss before we finish this uh, section. There was a, a teaser video came out earlier this morning. Um, Hiromu Takahashi, who's been out for, well, almost a year now. We've been wondering, speculating, when is he coming back? What's gonna happen when he comes back because Shingo's there now. He put a teaser video up earlier today. In the teaser, teaser video, it said something along, there was a caption that said, everybody needs healing. And it started off with a uh, him holding Daryl. And, you know, the, the, the classic Daryl is blue. And then he started drawing Daryl. And he had a different name. I think it was Narora. And um, he drew what looked like Daryl, but it was pink. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking maybe it's like Daryl Jr. or something like that. Or a new uh, version of Daryl. I'm not sure. But he drew a pink Daryl. And then suddenly you could see he was holding a pink Daryl. Right. And then at the end of the video, there was uh, some Chinese – or <laughs> that's racist. Some Japanese symbols that popped up. And then um, it said 6-5-19, which is the date of Best of the Super Juniors. So he might be making Man. his return. And that throws a whole wrinkle in the mix. Is he coming to celebrate with Shingo if Shingo wins? Is he coming to avenge Shingo if Shingo loses? Is he coming to show up to say that Shingo won the tournament and he's not even challenging for the title? And maybe he's going to cede his victory in his spot to... Hiromu, so he can challenge Dragon, Dragon Lee, Lee. Yeah. and maybe Shingo's like, I've already dominated this division. I'm challenging for a different belt, mm-hmm. which he has talked about in on social media previously. He mm-hmm. said, "I'm going to win every match, and then I, who says I even have to challenge for the junior title?" Yeah. So, are we seeing Hiromu come back? What do you think's going to happen? Man,
1: here? I literally that, that that's like we're opening up Pandora's box right here. There, there's like just so many possibilities. I like the one you said, like. You know, I'm gonna win, and I'm gonna give Hiromu this title shot to win the belt he never lost. You know, stuff like that.
2: Or what if Hiromu shows up and says, because there's always been friendly rivalries within Lij. We've seen a lot of Lij members. I'll fight you for it. I'll fight you for it. Yeah.
1: Boy. That's what that's if, a lot to come back from on a broken if, neck. What to if fight he Shingo. What, if,
2: what if he shows up and he says, like, Well like you
1: have one more opponent.
2: You're you're, you're me. <laughs> <laughs> This is gonna be his cashing. He's cashing in. No, but what if? What if he was like, "I never chose you to be part of this. You're not real Lij." Oh
1: my god, you're <laughs> not the real Lij. We did
2: get a question from a Reddit user Senior Sombrero Three K. Says, if we assume Shingo is winning the tournament and most likely the title at Dominion, how long do you envision Shingo holding the title for? Considering New Japan isn't renowned for long junior title reigns, and do you see him moving up to heavyweight after this?
1: I think I would think if he wins it, he holds it till Wrestle Kingdom, and then when possibly. they reset the year, possibly. he's a heavyweight.
2: Possibly, yeah, possibly that. That although you could see him losing it on a major show like a Wrestle Kingdom, yeah, or I'm sorry, like a King of Pro Wrestling, that's a possibility. Yep, or a G1 Final, Real. those are possibilities. Uh, He also said, separately, Dragon Lee has really improved throughout the tournament and how he has carried himself as champion. I saw him grow in his engagement with the fans at the event and justified getting the title at MSG. Hopefully, he'll hang around more, but this might be restricted due to a CMLL schedule. It wasn't really a question, but I think that he brings up a good point in that Dragon Lee might be leaving because he is a CMLL-contracted wrestler, and how long do we expect him to hold the title? I think whoever wins this uh, tournament... Is gonna be the guy to take the belt off of him, but you gotta wonder. He's been talking for so long about Hiromu, and now Hiromu might be coming back. What does this all mean? Is
1: there a major July show?
2: Uh, yeah, I believe the Um, they just announced the anniversary show dates are coming up soon. Huh. I could be wrong about that, but I believe I read that.
1: Because i like the show where he got hurt last year was the July show, and it happened to be in America. It was a G1 was the, special.
2: That, oh, you mean for, for New Japan? For New Japan. Oh, I thought you meant for CMLL. Um, well, that was that was the Cow Palace show, so I don't right. know.
1: I, if there's been anything, because I'm trying to think of all the, well, there's the, the places G, that there's, he could drop the belt.
2: There's G1 in, the G1 in Dallas, the first night of the G1, which is probably going to be a major show. Just because yeah. it's in America. But I don't know. But, like... Dragon Lee probably can't stay in New Japan for too much longer. The right. fact that he is a ROH guy, he is a CMLL guy and he's been loaned to New Japan. He's not officially like a long-term New Japan, you know, talent. He's been here almost all year. Mm-hmm. So so that th- those are great points, but um we'll have to see what this Hiromu stuff means, but uh, our final predictions, I'm going with Shingo, you're going with Shingo. That's going to do it for our best of the Super Junior final review. Uh, actually, we had a couple questions. Let's uh, get through those real quick. Eater underscore of underscore bread said, "What has been your favorite best Super Junior match, and what is your most anticipated match from the two big upcoming events?"
1: Um,
2: I think I'm going
1: to lean towards Show and Shingo. Uh, no I know, no. Um, Osprey and Bandito, I'm 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 a chicken out. I'm I'm a fan of the high flying wrestling and just
2: that match is incredible. Yeah, that match yeah. is incredible. Yeah, um, I think that that would be my answer. Except for for me, I do think Show and Shingo is my favorite match of the tournament. I do anticipate watching both of those back to back. They're both junior match of the year candidates at this point in the calendar year. But for, you can't go wrong with either of those two matches.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're talking about those. I
2: think that they're going to have a, a real tough time. I think me and Jeremy are probably going to have a long discussion about what match of the month is for the month of May yeah. when it comes to those two matches. Because I know he likes Bandito and Osprey. I think he gave it five stars. So. Yeah. Um, we had an, uh, What's your most anticipated match from the two big up, upcoming events?
1: Shingo and Will. I agree. I'm right there with you. Shingo and Will. And I know we haven't seen Juice and John Moxley, and that's a whole thing in itself. But Shingo and Will is like, this is like what you watch pro wrestling for because there's like, wow, either of these guys can win. You're fans of both of them. No one sucks. And it's like, I think something special is on the table. And sometimes you can see, like, a match of the year will sneak up on you. Sometimes you see it coming at you a million miles away. And this one has been staring at us all tournament, and it's finally here.
2: I agree. I, I You said it the best you could say it. I completely agree with that. Uh, we had another question from Mookie1515. How possible do you think the surprise return of Hiromu at the best of the Super Junior Finals uh, will lead to a fatal three-way for the junior belt at Dominion? Is that possible?
1: It's a possibility. I wouldn't waste his return in a three-way,
2: though. I wouldn't do that either.
1: Um, Just, just because of, like we we saw like how unnecessary three ways can like change the feeling on matches and i think when hiromu comes back i want the focus on hiromu i don't want another guy in the way and it has to be dragon lee that he comes back against i don't need it feels like
2: yet. dragon lee's the guy he has to come come back against but if you were going to do someone else i feel like shingo is the next best alternative mm-hmm. so that's like yeah it's crazy
0: yeah
2: um and then final question before we move on to dominion um, from Reddit user, why did you do that, bro? Is it just me, or is the best of the Super Junior final more exciting than Dominion this year? We have seen Naito Ibushi three times in the last year, so we know what to expect there. Ishii and Taichi. He didn't even put a comment about that. He just said Ishii and Taichi. <laughs> and then he said...
1: Hey, never disrespect the greatness of Tomohiro Ishii and, and, and us, underestimate what he can get out of
2: an opponent. And the most likely junior title match, Dragon League against Shingo, just happened recently too. Whereas Jericho Okada will be great most likely, but not as good as previous main events. However, I feel Moxley Juice is super exciting and unpredictable. Osprey Shingo will probably be a match of the year candidate. And Jay Tanahashi always have good to great matches and they do something different every time. Don't get me wrong... Dominion will be great as always. However, Goku feels like it can bring something different and unique compared to previous year's best Super Junior finals. We can all agree that the best shows will be fire, at least.
1: I can I can appreciate his take there, and I can I can agree with that. Like, because if you're you know you're thinking about like once you get past the novelty of Chris Jericho fighting Okada, which is like mind blowing in itself, right? Yeah, I'm not mind blown with you know, Tai Chi being Ishii's opponent. Um now, I, now, I
2: am if Ishii takes the belt off. Yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah, yeah, if he just beats the holy hell out of that geek, I'd be fine. Um he makes another point with Naito and Ibushi. Those matches are always great though. Uh, so never underestimate that, but I, I will see his point. Um just when you're talking about excitement and and buzz, like all right, you got White and Tanahashi that's a rematch from earlier this year that was well received. Of course you got john moxley and the buzz around him is palpable and the super junior match i just like you just heard how i felt about that so i think he frames it very well and i don't think i think this is something that not a lot of people are thinking about because you hear dominion and it's just like oh it's dominion it's yeah. like it's unfuckable it's, like
2: <laughs> i think part of it is the fact that we don't have a full dominion card announced yet right And that's part of it. And there's been so much anticipation from the Best Super Juniors tournament leading into the finals. And I feel like maybe, hypothetically, we don't know yet, that maybe once this show is over and they announce the Dominion card.
1: We're going to be blown away. Then
2: people might be blown away. And we might not be, but then it might change the narrative. But I I can see exactly what he's saying. And right now, I'm not putting my eyes past this finals. Once we get through this finals. This is
1: really annoying, though, because it's June 3rd, right? And Dominion's on the
2: 9th. Yeah This is annoying Like it's, it's it's weird Because last year When we did this review We were reviewing Best Super Juniors We had a whole week Before Dominion came up And then we were able To like do a preview And a, and a review And now It's like we got Three matches on the docket
1: yeah, yeah Yeah Gato Fix this shit
2: So let's talk about Dominion We got three matches We're gonna start off With the never title match uh, Tomohiro Ishii The Stone Pitbull Challenging The Lord Taiichi
1: So Tomohiro Ishii is main eventing the Tokyo Dome this year, right? So, um...
2: Why are you still on this?
1: On what? (laughs) The truth? What needs to happen?
2: Oh, my God. The Tomohiro
1: Ishii defense squad speaking up here. (laughs) So, in order for Tomohiro Ishii to get to the Wrestle Kingdom main event he needs to start winning and I don't care what belt it is he's gonna clean up with all the belts he's gonna unify the never belt with the IWGP title in the second night of the Tokyo Dome so he's going to whoop Tai Chi oh he's God. going to break the the uh, mic stand over his back he's going to leave with Mio Abe he is going to look into the crowd and say I am the man I am the stone pit bull Hero Ishii the best body wrestler, wrestler in the business today I don't care who you give me. You cannot stop me from getting four stars at least.
2: Well, sir, some of the things you said for sure won't happen, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment, but that's kind of hilarious. The funny thing is that you're on this kick about Ishii headlining Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm on this kick about Ishii having this junior run, which he needs to do. I liked one thing that happened during the uh, during the match between Shingo and uh, Ishimori where it was so evident the size differential between the two of them. And um, Kevin Kelly kind of covered up here. He said at the beginning of this tournament, they weighed everybody and they had to be under the hundred kilogram limit. Once they qualified for the tournament, all bets are off. And he basically said, like, they're allowed to put the weight back on, like, like in a UFC or a boxing (laughs) fight. But it's like, wait, they can but they can do it for the whole tournament. Like, that's crazy sounding. But when he said that, I thought to myself, do you think? You think Ishii could get under 100 kilograms for this tournament? I feel like he could. That's why I love the Shingo run because the Shingo run is exactly how I would have booked the Ishii run if he was ever in the junior division again, which he needs to be. But um, one reason what you said uh, – you said that Miho Abe would be leaving with Ishii, that will actually not be happening because she was unfortunately injured recently and she will not be at Dominion alongside Taiichi. So that will not be happening.
1: Damn. Yes Um, Best wishes Best wishes
2: get better Um, Also uh, Interesting So in the build to this match uh, On the 6th On the June 3rd uh, card There was a tag match That Ishii and Taichi were involved in Uh, Post match Taichi uh, Attacked Ishii And beat him down And you know Used the mic stand So Building heat for this match So
1: um, all that man got is a death wish That's all he got
2: We did see earlier this year when these two guys wrestled During the uh, New Japan Cup And it actually was an over four star match It might have been uh, Taichi's best match It was the best match he had since the Will Ospreay match And I liked it better than the Will Osprey match So You know how I knew it was four stars? How? Hero who was in it <laughs> <laughs> So I actually That um, means the four star savior the, four star and above savior. One thing that has kind of happened though during this best of the Super Juniors tour, they haven't really done a great job building a lot of these undercard matches or even the main event matches for Dominion. So it's like they were building this throughout the uh the um road 2 shows during the previous tour for Dontaku, but now all throughout best of the Super Juniors, we haven't seen too much interaction between Ishii and Taichi. Now we're getting it again. So it's kind of like the hype for it is a little bit down, whereas it could have been higher had there been more interactions for them on the tour. I kind of get why, but with that being said, I am excited for this match because I think that Tomohiro Ishii is going to be never champion again.
1: And we already know that means Mo bangers.
2: We bet he's about to be the uh, the Carl Gotch World Champion. Yes, the Strong Style Heavyweight Champion of the World.
1: The the Never Try Me Champion. <laughs> Never tried Tomohiro Ishii. The ain't never scared. Yes. World heavyweight championship. <laughs> the never run up, or else you'll get done up. Heavyweight champion of the world.
2: Oh, when when Ishii wins. The you never want smoke with Tomohiro Ishii championship. Uh, you gotta do you gotta do an entire rant. Yes. When he wins the never belt. Oh my gosh. Hope, but at the same time. As good as tai Chi has progressed as a wrestler in the past few years, there's always that vague possibility that he tai chi ups the match entirely, and it doesn't end up being what we expected it to be. So, uh, what what are your expectations? Are you excited for this match? What do you think is going to happen?
1: I, I think uh, we're going to see a new champion, and I don't think Taichi is going to suck uh, at Dominion. No. So Hopefully. I think
2: We have seen a more vicious Offense from Taichi He's been using a lot of quad kicks And quadas finishers
1: And he's talked a lot of shit To this guy Like yeah. he, he walked up on there was, there was that time Where Ishii was sent backstage And then Taichi walked up And then Ishii was Kind of looking at him In disbelief like Why are you trying to Try me right now and, and
2: fine, I'll take your belt There is the possibility that he will try to use uh, Suzuki Goon shenanigans And retain the belt here But I am hoping and praying for It's a big card We Usually with Dominion we see a lot of title changes It is the halfway point for the year before the G1 I would love to see Ishii Grab that Never Belt and go into the G1 As the Never Champion So Set
1: up a couple matches
2: Yes, so I am hoping for Ishii to win the belt here um, I'm expecting this to be a pretty, hard, like, a surprisingly hard-hitting match, and be another feather in the cap for both guys. Yep. So we will move on. So, in the semi-main event of the night, we have Kota Ibushi, the Golden Star, taking on Ungovernable Tetsuya Naito.
1: Now, these guys have faced each other a couple times this year. Every time they get together, it is a War to dump the other on the back of their heads or necks, and I love it. It's these guys, like, always loved the Naito and Kenny matches, so the Naito and Ibushi matches are like their cousins yeah. essentially. In <laughs> um, now Naito, everyone's trying to map out his year and figure it out where it's going. People were perplexed when it was like, Oh my god, he's challenging for the IC title again, right yeah.
2: now. Yeah, well, that seems to be a narrative. That's been continuing for the past couple of years. We've yeah. been wondering about this.
1: Yeah, it's like just embrace it, Naito fans. Embrace the oh the white title. God. Embrace you know that that and you know it, it'll be okay, man. I promise. What Don't we, slit your
2: wrists. Well, we do know that Naito talked earlier this year about his quest to be both the black champion and the white champion. He's black and white, like like Michael Jackson.
1: San Antonio Spurs jerseys. Yes. Piano keys.
2: Yes. But um, that's his quest. of bears. We, we, we know the story with him where he wanted to, you know, basically rectify all the past, you know, issues and ills that came along with the icy belt. And then when he won that belt, uh, he beat Chris Jericho, Jericho for it. It was kind of like the, the, the white belt came back to him basically, you know, and he talked about that. But then – when he dropped the belt to Kotobushi earlier this year at Madison Square Garden, we kind of thought like they were moving him out of that and kind of preparing him for a potential G1 where, you know, a lot of people think Naito's going to win the G1. So it is interesting here. We've seen these guys have three matches in the recent past. They wrestled last year during the G1. Kotobushi won that match. They wrestled again at the New Japan Cup. Kotobushi won that match. Then they wrestled at Madison Square Garden for the, with the title on the line. And Kodobushi won that match. Each one of these matches were rated above four and a half stars by most people. I preferred myself the match that they had uh, during the New Japan Cup. That was our match of the month. It was actually my match of the tournament. But they just keep delivering. So from an in-ring standpoint, I'm excited to see this again. But from a story standpoint, I don't know what this means.
1: Yeah, I I I think they... This is like one example where Gato might not be as sharp as we think he is at times and it's like yeah what we they're booking for the sake of the card and needing to fill a building rather than in service of the story
2: or even the fact that it's like you have main level guys many of the main level guys are tied up mm-hmm. what do we do with these two main level guys cuz we want to treat them like a like a big deal do you give them a, like a taichi no you don't do that you know you know it's,
1: what this feels like. This feels like oddly like the Tanahashi and Naito feud, like where these two main guys are like off, off on their the own side. island doing their thing the whole year, yeah. while Okada's being the champion. Jay White, all those guys are on that side. I could see that. Yeah,
2: I could definitely see that. Um, but I will give some uh, credit to Gato, and I'm going to assume he knows what he's doing. Here. Right. Um, you know, obviously there is that contingency of fans who are you know, staunch Naito supporters and they want to see him get his moment in the sun and, you know, hold the the IWGP title and be, the, you know, the top guy even if it's for a brief period or for a prolonged period, whatever it may be. But at the same time, Ibushi just signed a lifetime contract at the beginning of the year with this company and they've been pushing him. <coughs> Excuse me. So you've got to wonder where are we going from here? Are we about to see Tetsuya Naito take... A fourth consecutive loss to Ibushi?
1: <laughs> I, there's no way. And there... at the
2: same time, is that a loss? Because it's like, what's the bigger loss? Him losing to, to Ibushi again right. and, and being free of the title or beating Ibushi and being saddled with the belt? He's like in a no-win situation. Yes, it's like,
1: it's, what do you want, man? It's like, you don't have to walk through the fire to, to get to it. And walking through the fire would be him losing again, I feel like. And putting that belt on him is a band-aid, essentially. And so many people want Naito to, to get his, you know, his, his just due and his day in the sun. But, like, I don't know what New Japan's goals are right now. Because it feels like they have so many guys that they're ready to start giving the top spots to. Like, right. like Will is coming. Like, Jay White's coming. Like... Shingo's coming. Shingo's coming. Obuchi's coming. So, it's like... I don't know, Naito. It's almost like a now or never situation. And it's like, if they didn't crown
2: Naito, I don't know if it's like the worst thing I, I possible. Think, I think it is because I think there's so much money on the table. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I think that the only way that that whole decision not to have him go over Okada, which we know from a business standpoint was a huge success. It made a lot of sense. But from a story standpoint...
1: You have to eventually pay it.
2: You've got to pay it off. Mm-hmm. And so they gotta pay it off at some point Now I know that this isn't completely contingent On this one decision They got a lot of time between now and say Wrestle Kingdom to do whatever they gotta do To get him to where they need them to be But at the same time It's like it does feel like a fourth loss To Abushi really that cools them off At the same time that might set up a future big match for them down the road. Like after after this you got to imagine that they're going to be done with each other for a while. I I got to imagine they're not going to be in the same G1 block. If they are, that's a, probably a big mistake cuz we don't need four matches from these guys. Right. At least not in this company. The way that this company books, that would be a mistake. I in my opinion, I got to tell you, I think Naito's got to win here.
1: I I wouldn't be opposed to it because, you know, out of these two, I like
2: Ibushi more and Maybe it just freeze Kodobushi up for something. It, it might free, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, let's talk about Kodobushi for a moment. So we talked about the Double or Nothing pay per view that just happened, and there was some press that was out there about Kenny Omega during the press conference, and he was asked about Kodobushi. Which, by the way, we I don't know if we covered this on the show in the previous weeks, but uh, quietly Kenny Omega's profile was removed off the NJPW 1972 website, which. You know, happened just around the time that Double or Nothing took place, but during the press conference, Kenny Omega was asked about Kota Ibushi, and he gave a response which uh, has gotten a lot of attention online because of the the emotional nature of it. And you kind of uh, saw this video.
1: Yeah, so like it was like a uh, a Japanese fan that asked Kenny essentially like about Kota Ibushi being an AEW, and he kind of alluded to him not asking. Bushi to come to AEW because he knew if he asked him, he would come. And it was always Ibushi's dream to win the IWGB title and be the man in Japan. And Kenny didn't want to take that from him. Uh, it was kind of odd how he phrased it. And he started like kind of tearing up and all that. And I think he's working a storyline. Yeah, and that might and, be a storyline. And eventually this leads to Kenny coming back to New Japan to fight him at some point.
2: My, th- my thinking is that there is... That is on the table, a potential match between them at Wrestle Kingdom this, this coming because year. Because they have two nights. That they could have, they've got two nights that could one. easily happen. We know that Kenny Omega has it in his contract where he can work with New Japan. And if we've seen anything from Moxley and Jericho, this is a very real possibility. Um, another thing, though, to keep in mind one reason why I kind of question the validity of what he's saying, I'm not saying Kenny's a liar, but I do remember when Kenny first joined AEW and he did that podcast on Wrestling Observer. And during that Wrestling Observer, he... he made it sound like Ibushi was coming. He said Ibushi was coming, and he made it sound like they... He didn't say outright, but he made it sound like they had discussed it. Like, he had asked him to come. Now he's saying he never did. It almost sounds like when you're in a breakup... <laughs> and it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, so you spin the... You start, you start rationalizing. You start spinning the story like, he would have come if I'd asked him, but I knew that was his dream, so I didn't. So now you sound... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like... Like, it would have worked out had I wanted to, but I put him ahead of myself. Right. But maybe it didn't really happen that way.
1: Maybe not.
2: I don't know. That's what it kind of can't, sounds can't like. Can't
1: trust these wrestlers.
2: But we do know that that um, they're pushing Abushi. He did sign the quote-unquote lifetime um, contract with New Japan, whatever that means.
0: Yeah.
2: But um, I got to tell you, this Ibushi-Naito feud, from an in-ring standpoint, right now it's probably the feud of the year in New Japan as far as match quality goes. And we're getting a third it's going it's to be stellar. It might even be the match of the show um, because it's hard for anybody to live up to the kind of match quality that these two guys put on night in and night out. And I think Naito's winning. Yeah, it could happen. Who do you think's winning? <sighs> it, uh, man, that's tough. Because you're, you're skirting. Oh,
1: uh, man. Because, like, it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't with Naito. So uh,
2: give him the belt back. Why not? like they've been beating this guy like a drum do you think it makes sense for them to have Ibushi win again and then it sets up sort of one of the famous new japan narratives of the guy who can't overcome another guy we've seen it many times in the past you know give me an example of that will osprey can't beat marty Mm Skrull. that's like an example
1: well, he, he's beat abushi before, so
2: Yeah, but it was a long time ago. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, so we gotta forget so, that. So ever happened, forgotten so. it. Not
2: that we not that they make you forget it, like they'll bring it up, but they'll also say, It seems like this new abushi has his number. <laughs> That's what Kevin Kelly will say. On That's there. how they
1: keep the matches fresh. Yeah. Um
2: and in a way it is a new abushi. It's yeah. not the same guy. He's signed. He's signed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I'll take Naito uh to win the title. And go into the G one, and maybe he keeps his, his dream alive of being a double champion. Nice. So then, got to give those Nitro fans some hope.
2: So let's talk about the main event here. So, oh, one thing I want to mention for Dominion, we do have confirmation that Don Cocaine Callis <laughs> is going to be calling the yes. the show. So we will be getting the best duo in all of commentating. Don Callis and Kevin Kelly.
1: I love it. I love it. My only, I only am sad that Kenny will not be on the card <laughs> for Don to give the, the true Don Callis experience.
2: If we're in such a weird place now because like Don has like always put over Kenny, but now Kenny's over in AEW. But Don's commentating in New Japan, but then he's also like the one of the like main Dude's guys an impact. in Impact. And the, these guys are all kind of competing with each other. It's Such a weird time in pro wrestling, and like yeah. Impact's not working with AEW, and they're not working with New Japan, and vice versa. None of these three companies are working together. So, so but then, something's
1: fishy going but on. But Don
2: Callis did get a pinfall victory over Kenny Omega. Hey
1: man, I I, I don't recognize none of that, bro.
2: Kenny's Kenny's well let's talk about it so Kenny is Kenny's had a rough he's having a rough year he's having a rough year he lost, I'm having rough
0: times he here sir he lost
2: to Don Callis and that's going to lead us into this match because at in the main event of Double or Nothing in the rematch Omega Alpha versus Omega 2 he lost in the main event of the first ever AEW show he was put down for the 1-2-3 to the Judas Effect Elbow the new finisher of one Chris Jericho
1: all I know is Okada better watch out <laughs> because like he, Jericho's doing this move they don't even teach in martial arts anymore, Josh. They this move should be outlawed. It should be banned. I I don't know if Omega's been concussion tested. We haven't heard from him
2: since. I'm worried. We know he got his nose broken. We know that. Yes. I was actually at the gym the other day. I was working uh, my strikes on the heavy bag and I uh, I decided to throw a couple juice effect elbows. I don't know if it's as effective as uh,
1: a yeah. Jericho's you I don't
2: know. know if I've mastered it.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if you had the quick like the the learning master the learning curve as quickly as Jericho did.
2: I think I've mastered my chops though. I've been hitting the heavy bag with my chops.
1: You gotta you gotta always do the chops. always practice your chops. I
2: do all of them. Mongolian chop, I do the straight judo chop, I do knife edge chop, all of it. Yeah, man. Overhand chop. Overhand chop. I've been I've been working my chops in in the gym. Yeah, man, you got People have been looking at me. I think it's with admiration. I'm not sure. I,
1: I'm telling you, man. Like it's something about seeing somebody turn sideways in front of the heavy bag, <laughs> cock their fist all or their their hand all the way across their body the wrong way, and then just you know throw it uh, essentially turn it over and slap it. As hard as you can. That's as kind of an uncommon motion. People are normally in like a fighting stance uh, with the boots up. I, I was
2: in a fighting stance. I've been channeling my inner Walter, my inner Ronnie Garvin, <laughs> oh, <laughs> my dude. inner Suzuki. Yeah. But um. So Jericho. Now you know what? I'm not even. I can't even quite remember when did when when was it announced that Jericho was going to be facing Okada? When did that happen? Was that at the end it was, of Dantaku?
1: Yeah, it was at the end of Dantaku after he beat Sonata. They played the video. So and they Jericho's play- painting up and everything. They
2: played one video. We haven't seen Okada since that time. We haven't seen Jericho since that time except in the universe of AEW. The Jericho that showed up at Double or Nothing, I thought maybe it might end up being New Japan Chris Jericho. It wasn't. We got a different Chris Jericho than the kind of Chris Jericho that's coming here. And there's a lot of speculation about the outcome of the match with him and Kenny and the politics... And the fact that he had this just days later, just, you know, a little over a week later, this upcoming IWGP title match with Okada and how that would play in. And he did end up, for whatever reason, picking up the win over Kenny Omega. Clean, one, two, three. Now he's coming in with all this momentum, but we haven't seen him or Okada. I do have a question. Do you think that there's a chance that Okada will be involved in any match on the best of the Super Junior Finals. And do you think that because it's a few days before, we might see Jericho show up?
1: Yes. They, Jericho's not going to go into a match cold without doing any type of angle. He's not going, like, he'll either a video will come out or there will be some type of attack that happens after, like, a multi-man match or something. And right. we'll get some type of wow brawl or something.
2: I would count on that. I um, would too, I'm expecting it, yeah, and do you think he's gonna do something unique that we're not expecting because everyone's expecting it, maybe, maybe,
1: yeah, maybe he catches, maybe he catches him while he's making his entrance, maybe he's like, I don't know, man, like, yeah, like he's it's I'm excited for it, yeah, I'm excited for it, um. I, I wonder what will happen here. And I think there is a better than 0% chance that he wins. Mm-hmm. There just not might not be much more than that. But I'm not willing to rule it out completely like it's just some insane thing.
2: Well, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy a few uh, weeks ago when this match was announced about the fact that a part-timer was getting an undeserved shot. And I think uh, you listened to the episode where I dealt with that pretty yes. extensively.
1: Swiftly and educating fools who refuse to look at what situations actually are rather than blindly comparing them uh, because their favorite company uh, has, has burned goodwill in so many places that they can't do things of the same sort. So- what are talking
2: about? They're bringing back Goldberg. <laughs> also, by the way, it's going to be real tough for them to compare that major show to double or nothing to best super junior finals to dominion they i mean like it's, it's gonna be a rough couple a weeks rough couple weeks but anyways uh so we got okada jericho this is a match that we wanted to see for a long time we don't have a strong story going into it but the name value is there and they've got a cup they've got a few days now especially with them probably all being in japan at this uh point in time to build something here what are your expectations for this match
1: I think this is going to be great because I've learned never to bet against Chris Jericho, no matter what age he is, because he's always uh, learning and he's always keeping his mind sharp. Maybe not the body so much, but <laughs> he's... I think
2: he was in pretty good shape for the last match. Yeah. As good as he... At his age, he can be. Yeah, he's
1: probably as good as he can be right now. And, you know, he's got a new set of hair. And um he's <laughs>
2: I've been growing my hair out too, like Jericho.
1: Yeah. yeah, so and, and I cut mine recently. So um the I expect Okada to be like, yo man, what kind of match you wanna do? And, and and Okada just pulls from his mental his his, his mental rolodex, like, like alright, what we gotta do, I'll I'll just make it great. And I think I think we're we're looking at like a very it's gonna be a very enjoyable match we're going to see okada have to fight and get dirty yes and have we seen that once like suzuki is that the last time he had to really fight shibata shibata yeah and i don't know if it's gonna be like that like jericho's not coming to kick ass like that but he's definitely coming to brawl and muck it up like he
2: beat kenny up yeah, I was really intrigued by that match because we were kind of waiting for the Jericho rules to get instituted during that match. You know, kind of like the Brock Lesnar rules or or what have you, where every match he has ends up being no DQ. And that could even still happen here. They got time to do that. And New Japan, they got a winning formula with, with Chris Jericho. They, they, they kind of know, like, we're not going to have this guy go out and have a straight one-on-one match. But it's the IWGP title. It's the most prestigious championship in all of wrestling. They might just have a straight one-on-one match. I thought it was interesting that him and Kenny ended up, even though they ended up bringing in some hardcore elements and some of and like the table spots and the outside stuff, they did have a straight one-on-one match. And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, maybe this is like preparation mm-hmm. for the Okada match that's upcoming."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I do wonder though, with the type of we know that Okada can wrestle almost any style and have incredible matches, but I have wondered, can he get? that kind of great performance that he's used to having out of Jericho? I'm not saying it's impossible. It's definitely possible. And Jericho has done nothing but over-deliver every time he's in New Japan. But when you think about those incredible sequences that that Okada has, can Jericho keep up with him on that level to do that sort of stuff still? (sighs)
1: So Jericho usually... He would respond to that saying he doesn't have to keep up with anyone because he's going to wrestle at his speed and pace and everything. Yeah. So Jericho has always had a great mind for sequencing, especially like laying out matches. And who closes a match better than Okada? So I'm really not worried. I think this is going to be incredible. Especially in the last five minutes.
2: I agree. I mean, we've talked extensively about how... This match might be match of the year This match might be match of the month This match might might be match of the night You know, all that sort of stuff But we can't discount the fact that we've got The best wrestler in the world in Okada Going up against one of the most creative And smart wrestlers in the world in Jericho And it's a dream match in a huge card In a huge, uh, you know, setting uh, Being, uh, you know, um where, where are they wrestling at? Osaka, Joe. Osaka, Hall. Joe. Hall. Why do I forget stuff? But the the fact of the matter is, it's Okada, it's Jericho. This could be a five star match easily, yeah. easily. And I am so intrigued. It's now, like
1: you, th- you think you think Naito want, like the way Jericho's delivered in Japan. You think Okada wants to like let
2: Naito outdo him? Yeah, or and let Kenny outdo him? No, like, no. Now I got to tell you, and I'm calling it right now. This is something that might happen. My only concern is like, what would it mean for the match? Okada gets wrist control. He goes for the rainmaker. Judas he, effect. He spins him out, and as he's about to hit the he's about to hit the rainmaker, Jericho turns it into a Judas effect. Lands that elbow right on the jaw. Of Okada, I
1: think the arena and everyone watching it will go silent if that happens because they saw what it did to Kenny.
2: The only thing that can happen is either Okada has to fall out of the ring. Yep, Okada's got to be it within uh, within like reach of the ropes, or, Jericho's
1: or Jericho collapse, has to collapse too. Has to
2: collapse and be unable to pin him because from the from the way that they established that move with with Kenny, there's no way anyone, no matter who it is, is kicking out of that move right now. No matter even if it's Okada. There's no way he hits it clean and doesn't pin Okada. There's that little caveat. Like, if he hits it, he might win.
1: Right. And that's why I'm putting it at a better than 0% chance of, (laughs) of Chris Jericho being the IWGP champion.
2: I don't think Jericho will win, I don't think he should win. There could be an argument to be made that maybe he's right now technically the lineal AEW <laughs> World Heavyweight Champion. And maybe this is champion versus yes, champion.
1: the lineal championships. but um, love nothing more than those. But
2: I think this match is going to be fantastic. And I think what we're going to see at the end of it, after several Rainmakers, we're going to see a third or a fourth Rainmaker. And Jericho will be pinned. One, two, three. Okada retains. Where we go from there... It's to the G1. What If anything? If there's any surprises or anything post-match, I don't know. But I'm so excited for this match. And yes, it's going to be great. Yeah. No so, doubt. So that is going to do it. Any final thoughts on Dominion?
1: I think this is going to be a show. Like um, like last year, we probably saw like Dominion being the greatest card ever in the history of the world. One of them, yeah. And I don't think this is going to be that. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't always have to be the greatest thing you saw. But I think... You got a unique match um, in Okada and Jericho. The We we know what to expect with Naito and Ibushi. Ishii can get belted up again. Then we still got the rest of the card for Gato to fill in, which, you know, we still got to find homes for, you know, Tanahashi, Jay White, Osprey, Shingo, and Hiromu, maybe. So maybe this is the return of Hiromu Takahashi. So. Uh, I, I expect Dominion to be a great show as normal.
2: Absolutely. The last thought I have is I can't wait to see what the rest of the card is. And that actually leads us into our last question related to Dominion. Uh, Muzza underscore 44 asked, what other matches could we expect at Dominion? Got any mind? I don't have a single thought. The only thing I can think of is like, well, we know there's going to be a junior title match. Yeah. So there's that. Um, But other than that, it's like, well... Could could
1: Moxley be on the card? Could
2: Moxley be on the card because he's already in Japan and he was on the show previous to it. And maybe they need to, if he does win the title, maybe they need to set up a future match. So maybe something happens in a multi-man match with him. Or what if he loses and he... But we're still going to have a chase or something of that nature. So we need to have, uh, you know, further a program between him and Juice. That's a possibility. Right. Right. Um, other than that, I don't have... I mean, possibly a junior tag title match with rapongi 3K is a possibility. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of any major... Because all the, the, the main... like. I think I got to figure slot. out some Maybe Evil and Sonata do something. Zack Sabre, we don't really know what he's doing. We don't know what Suzuki's doing. So there are a couple of big stars out there that we like don't know. But yeah, I can't think of any other matches that we could see at Dominion off the top of my head. But I am excited for the rest of the card... Hopefully we see you know something that you know you got you also got to wonder what are the rest of the get Lij guys doing what's Nada doing what's evil doing we don't know yeah uh, we got a couple of random questions that we're gonna uh, ask just uh, three of them just before we go to the news and close out the show um, so Rambones underscore slam pig asks do you think that El Fantasmo and Robbie Eagles are going to become challengers for the junior tag titles I would count on that I think that's a I think that's a great idea, and I think it's something they should do, especially given the uh, the dearth of competition that they've had in that division, and plus the, the planting of the seeds of, you know, kind of like a little bit of and issues bo- between those two guys.
1: And also, like, we don't probably need either of them in the title picture, like, desperately right now, so the junior tag division is a nice place to stash them in
2: the meantime. Gotcha. And actually, I thought it was three questions, but it's just two. We got one last question from Zach Saba Time. I'm going to steer away from the best of the Super Juniors for a hot second here. Been watching some old stuff. Has Josh, and I'll include you in this, and Rich. Uh, Have you watched The Great Muda versus Antonio Inoki? If not, I recommend it. It was a very fun from the entrance to the end. It's on NJPW World. I have not. I have. So this match was part of uh, Antonio Inoki's... um, retirement tour. I forget what he called that tour. But you know, it was the tour that he went on from like nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety eight. The slap world tour. Yeah. Where yes. he, where like he just literally like, I think in that whole time the only guy that beat him was like Tenryu. That's hilarious.
1: I'm gonna beat everybody ass and then retire.
2: And actually I think Tenryu beat him before he went on the <laughs> the official retirement. Yeah. Uh but this match was real interesting. Uh it is a fun watch. Uh if you're looking for something from that that Period of Inoki's career, I would actually over this match. I would recommend the match with Vader from 1996, uh, January fourth in the Tokyo Dome, which you actually did see that match.
1: You know what match I don't recommend? What Antonio Inoki versus Sting? <laughs> oh
2: my god! Yeah, we also watched that match. Not don't watch that match. Don't watch it. But um, yeah, I watched this match with with Muda. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert: Inoki wins, uh, which. I think this match happened in like '93. Uh, there's no reason that Inoki should have been going over the Great Muda and like maybe it's '95. I don't remember, uh-huh. but like he shouldn't have been beating Great Muda. I mean, if it was like Kijimuto, then maybe he should have won. But this would be like. And this would be like Triple H beating the demon Finn Balor, right? <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> Which would they would probably do? Which they would do. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, there's some comparisons there, but it yeah. is it is a fun match, and it's a it, it was a big time money draw, and it was it was a big deal when it happened. And yes, I've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, it's a, I do recommend it. Check it out. Uh, you know, you should definitely go out of your way to watch it. Yeah, man. So we're gonna close with the news here. So. Um, since I'm doing the news, you know we got some good coverage here, um, uh, and actually that's not a that's not a shot at Jeremy. I I just been slacking. Jeremy's been doing every all the right stuff, and I've been s- sucking. So in um, news outside of New Japan, um, coming up on August 9th in Toronto, we have the uh, announced Summer Super Card, which will be a card featuring NWA, CMLL, Ring of Honor, Rev Pro, and New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. Um, the first two announced matches. Uh, one Nick Aldis will be defending the NWA World Heavyweight Champion on championship on this card, as well as there's going to be a CMLL Trios match with CMLL Trios rules featuring talent from all five companies. Oh man, yeah, so that's going to be something cool and fun. Um, also in uh, news related to CMLL, they have announced that they will start having pay-per-view style super cards once a month. So, like, every four weeks. They had their first one this past Friday. It was called El Jucio Final. They actually had two hair versus hair matches and a career versus career match. And from what I hear, the card was really good. So, if you haven't seen it...
1: We all need to watch more CMLL. Yeah. It's just... It it's false the wayside sometimes. But. Go
2: out of your way, check that out.
1: But seeing as how I have like all this free time on Monday and Tuesday <laughs> nights, maybe I'll make that CMLL night.
2: Um, RevPro has announced uh, a card on June 29th called Ungovernable. This card is actually going to feature uh, LIJ. Obviously, it's called Ungovernable. But also, Katsuyori Shibata will be making a special appearance. So if you're in the UK, you might want to check that out.
1: Here are those um, piano keys, nice and soft. Yes. Setting the mood, lighting a candle.
2: I actually turn the lights off. Yeah. Um, one thing we forgot to mention, and I mm-hmm. it, it feels terrible to say that we forgot to mention this, but we didn't mention this on the show, and I wanted to uh, bring it up. Um, so on May 11th, uh, the news came out that Silver King uh, passed away during a match in the ring. Um, I wanted to make mention this because Silver King obviously was a legend of this sport, and also had a very very long And, um, you know, prosperous history with New Japan Pro Wrestling, whether he was one of the uh, black, I think is Black Tiger 3. He also wrestled, you know, extensively throughout the years in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And so our condolences go out to his family. No doubt. And um, also uh, remembering Owen Hart. So Owen Hart, obviously the the anniversary of his death. 20 years. 20 years. It just passed. Um, There was an incredible podcast. On uh, post wrestling, detailing the uh, the the final days of his life, it was the most unique podcast I've ever listened to. I'm a big fan of um, true crime podcasts and serialized podcasts, and this what I believe was John Pollock who did it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like a serialized wrestling podcast with interviews from people that were there and involved with you know the final day of Owen's life. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. Also on Talk is Jericho. He did a, a, a tribute show with Dave Meltzer that was also very, very good. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. Um, and May 27th, which just passed this past week, was the anniversary of uh, Owen Hart winning the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title in 1988, 31 years ago. Um, if you're not familiar with Owen's run in New Japan Pro Wrestling, you you should s- like watch some of the stuff. His matches with Shiro Koshinaka, his matches with Takata, his matches with... Um, the, the, the really famous matches are the ones with Liger. And if you've never seen them, you've got to check that stuff out. Owen Hart has a lot of stuff out there from Calgary, from Stampede, from World of Sport, from New Japan that you guys probably, if you're newer fans, you're not probably as aware of. But it's not – his whole career isn't just the stuff he did in, in WWE. He has a lot of amazing stuff out there. and Some of his best work happened right here in New Japan. Some of it's on New Japan World, so you should definitely check that out. Yeah,
1: there's a uh, Black Tiger – Owen Hart match. It's him and Eddie. Yeah, which is like you. And you think about it's like, hold on, Eddie Guerrero from from WCW,
2: (laughs) and Owen Hart from the World Wrestling Federation. They were fighting. Oh, Uh, okay. um, Liger is on his um, retirement tour. Speaking of Liger, uh, he as well as uh, all three members of Rapangi Three K will be in South Carolina. In July, on July the 7th Wrestling for PWX So if you don't have tickets for that You might want to check it out If you're in that area That sounds like a pretty cool thing Um, Post Wrestling is uh, doing a new podcast Called Cruel Summer Where they review the finals of every G1 Climax Starting from G1 Climax 1991 I listened to the first couple episodes Really, really good stuff So that's a cool podcast I wish I had that idea and did it first But I didn't So if you get a chance Definitely check that out Um, Also uh, Interesting news So on August 31st We already know that New Japan Pro Wrestling Is going to be running Royal Quest The news also came out recently That that AEW is going to be doing All Out which will be the sequel to All In They'll they'll be doing it in Chicago from the Sears Center I was there last year live But on that same day NXT TakeOver UK will also be running In the UK the same day as Royal Quest so all three of Man. these shows will be running at the same time. We had some um, – our friends over at Super Jcast uh, had a tweet that they uh, tweeted out um, earlier today. They said – and you could probably hear this on their show, which I'm sure will be dropping any day, maybe even tomorrow. Uh, they said, per our UK sources, WWE had a spy in one of the ticket agencies mandated by Copperbox, and JPW were using for Royal Quest. They saw that New Japan had only sold 2,000 tickets – but they didn't realize that they had a second ticket agency and that the sale totals were over $5,000 or 5,000 tickets sold for the event. WWE thought sales were bad, saw money on the table, didn't do the research on competing events, uh, for example, the rugby match, and rushed in circa March to put their uh, show on around the same time. Now, WWE are facing a situation with twice as many wrestling fans as they thought already committed to going to Royal Quest. Hugely inflated Cardiff hotels cost due to the Wales versus Ireland World Cup warm up rugby game, and at uh, you know that being priced at uh, at least 100 euro per night.
1: If this is true, WWE takes another ginormous big fat L, and they have no one to blame but themselves if this is the case for not doing their due diligence and be just like, yo, man they're in such a rush to try to control the UK and it's such a battleground that they they wanted to compete and it sounds like they got bit in the ass.
2: Now some of it, I do got a question because they're running in Cardiff, Wales uh-huh. and Royal Quest is running in London and I don't think those are exactly the same area. We're
1: going to have to get uh, Rick and Clive on the line or, well, Mur- I know they're not or the same. Murray. I know they're not the <laughs>
2: same area but my question about this is is like, it is a bad situation because we know that NXT has had trouble drawing in right. the UK. Now, I think they do pretty well for their takeover shows. But, you know, we've heard reports about, you know, everything. I mean, we covered extensively last year everything that was happening with the UK and the the new contracts and the new rules and everything like that. And, the, you know, the fact that they were raising – they weren't drawing um, fans to watch these UK guys in their promotion because they were charging – like triple what say progress or you know icw were charging for to have the same talents on their cards and which might have been some of the reason why they wanted to limit the availability of those guys being on those shows because why would you go watch them at nxt uk have tv matches which are not as good when you could pay a third of the price and watch them in a promotion where they have longevity history and also creative freedom um, so that that's one thing to think about there But now, not only that You also have to consider the fact that Now they're running on the same day As a show that's being Widely successful in the UK So they've limited the amount of Interest and The amount of fans, because the, Even though the UK is a hot scene, it's all relative There's only so many people over there that actually I mean, mm-hmm. wrestling, we, we saw what happened With ITV and with uh, World of Sport It didn't take off, and you know, even though a lot of these companies like Progress and Rep Pro are doing well, it's all relative. You know, they're not having major league success the way that some other companies in, say, the U.S. or, or Japan are. And the and WWE's trying to get a piece of that pie. But now they're, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot running on the same day as this show that's been announced and also had tickets sold for a long time.
1: Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, like I think they're just in a, such a rush to try to make sure no one else is getting a piece of that market. That they may have just picked the wrong day, as simple as it sounds, yeah. And
2: I did see that they, um, that during the conference call, that Triple H actually addressed the fact that they were running this show the same time as All Out and that it wasn't like a uh, publicity, and actually, I kind of believe that because. It is running earlier in the day, and it's not like it's going to draw away because it's two totally different markets. Yeah. But I did notice that nobody asked about Royal Quest, and he didn't address Royal Quest, which it seems very evident that this might have potentially been a ploy to run opposite and draw away from New Japan. Yeah. Where more people are focusing on the AEW side of the story, whereas I think it has more to do with New Japan than anything else. And
1: they've been at – odds with New Japan for a couple of years
2: especially now that it's this one market that they really want that they've invested a lot of time money and effort into they don't and all of a sudden New Japan comes in and is widely successful they probably yeah, don't want think that
1: think about it it's like progress versus like Red Pro it's like they've each got like a uh, essentially a farm system
2: yeah. laid down there so So that's one thing to keep your eyes out. And again, shout out to Super Jcast. We also, while we were on the air, we got very, very sad news. The sudden passing of Atsushi Aoki. If you're not familiar with Atsushi Aoki, he is a longtime uh, veteran from NOAA as well as All Japan. He actually is their current, he was their current head trainer in the dojo for All Japan. He uh, passed away, uh, I suppose, earlier today in a biking incident. So uh, our condolences go out to his family and his fans and, and friends uh, very, very terrible stuff, and it apparently just happened. Um, other news outside of Ring of or outside of New Japan, we have Ring of Honor news. So there was word that came out earlier, uh, I believe this week, that Jonathan Gresham is actually working in Ring of Honor with no contract.
1: More ROH uh, lunacy, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs>
2: They better do something before this man gets a, a con check. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, he, he could like, easily end up. Um, or he's
2: working over here in New Japan. What's they, the they This They might them. just keep him. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's out there. Also, Best in the World is coming up uh, later in the next month or so. Some matches that have been announced are that Matt Taven will be defending the ROH World Championship against Jeff Cobb. Shane Taylor will be defending the television title against Bandito. And uh, there was an announced match of the Briscoe Brothers taking on Roosh and Dragon Lee, which actually kind of sounds like a banger. Um, there was also
0: Ocean
2: allusions League, yeah. to the idea that there might be another tech, because it's a two-night event, that there might be they might be building to a title match between the Briscoes and um, G.O.D. So it's not official, but it looks like that's the way that the TV's heading, basically. So we'll we'll keep our eyes on that. But I wanted to talk about Ring of Honor because uh, there was a fan controversy that come, came out earlier today. Uh, Rich, yeah. did you hear about this? I
1: did hear about this. So, what did did you hear? So, um, there was a fan, um, went on Twitter, and he alleged that uh, he was basically uh, heckling uh, a couple of the female performers in Ring of Honor, Mandy Leone and Velvet Sky, and I guess at one point, Mandy Leone spit on him or something. Apparently,
2: she spit on him, and apparently, the report is that she face palmed him as well. Right, which is, is grounds for fighting in pretty
1: much any, like, culture. Like, don't try that shit with us. Yeah. Um, but Velvet Sky was essentially calling uh, this guy a virgin and all this other stuff. And, and he I had... I never liked that whole thing. Like, when... I, and I hear, like, a lot of fans do this to other fans. Like, say, uh, like, oh, such and such, you're a virgin. Like, it, for liking professional wrestling and stuff like that. It's like, come on, man. Like, yeah. Like... Fuck out of here! Like it, like, it's
2: like <laughs> Well, like. Here's the thing: what it sounded like to me, aside from the spitting and the the wrestlers getting, you know, physical with with the f- audience, which should never happen yeah. under any circumstances, unless the audience member is a plant did something wrong, or yeah, as a plant or did something where they they broke that that wall or that barrier that came over the barrier, then then it's free game. Yeah. But um, you know, other than that, it sounded like this was a regular wrestling interaction. You know a wrestling fan heckling heels for being heels, bad guys being bad guys and and saying stuff to them. Now, there are sides to the story. I've heard speculations that this fan might have been more belligerent than it, he's alluding to. Yeah. He might have said more things than that were more disrespectful than he's saying online. He said
1: um like Velvet's guy has sex with Bully Ray. He did
2: he well he admitted that. Yeah, But they're saying he might have said more things, been more disruptive than this. And there were some reports that the reason that uh there was an incident is because he was going to be on television. They didn't want him to basically detract from the show. And that was an issue. We do see fans get removed from audiences all the time in WWE and things like that. Um, you see it all the time where someone does something and all of a sudden the, the audience is all looking over to yeah. the other side and you don't know what's going on. So it's not like there's no precedent for that. However, the, the real problem with how this was handled and, and before I move on, there are other fan reports saying that this guy was doing nothing of the sort and that his version of the account is exactly how it happened. Uh, I will say that um, friend of the show and social suplex member Chris Bryan says he actually knows this gentleman uh, yeah. personally and says that he's like a great guy and wouldn't isn't he's val- lying. He's vouching for that guy. Yeah. Uh, there was also um, correspondence that reported to uh, Observer and was reported on Wrestling Observer Live, where uh, basically Brian said that he wasn't there, he didn't see it, but that. His correspondents were literally right by him and said that the fan's account of how it happened is exactly what happened, that he wasn't over the line. He didn't cross any barriers. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just heckling them, which it wasn't even heckling them. He's booing them just like you're supposed to. Yeah. Well, um, basically security came, took this fan to the back. From what what happened here is anybody's guess. we got two sides of the story. Fan says that he was taken into a room, not explained what was going to happen, and then left in a room where Bully Ray showed up and basically told him that, he was being belligerent and disrespecting the women and that he shouldn't say anything to the women that, um, he wouldn't say to his mom. And, you know, the fan basically said that he agreed with him because he was imposed by him and basically intimidated. And that,
1: Like, what else were you going to do? With yeah, that situation?
2: And he didn't want to get kicked out after the third match of the card and was allowed to go back to a seat. And bully Ray said like, go back and be a fan. Um, boy.
1: So bully Ray apparently thinks he's Sam Rothstein from casino. And brought the dude in the back room to to basically break his fingers. Apparently, essentially. so so this could have gone horribly wrong. Well,
2: it already kind of is. Basically, uh,
1: this could have been a whole nother level. Like, who's to say the fan didn't have a gun or something or like? Well, it, I, th- like,
2: I think you get I think you get waved down before you go into these shows, though. Okay,
1: I I mean I don't know but how big the you, building you was you never or know whatever. Yeah. Happen. Like um, and it's like oh I feel threatened and then like you know and it, that could have been bad and then it, the fact that you're leaving a wrestler alone with like a fan in a room,
2: with a wrestler,
1: with a wrestler and yeah. it was set up and the like this was not a meet and greet this was <laughs> this was this is a special kind of meet yeah and meet. this was like oh I'm gonna go like such and such says something bad about. My girlfriend or my wife, wh- whatever their relationship is, and I'm gonna go intimidate this guy and and let him know whatever I think is horseshit. There,
2: there was so the fan basically ended up tweeting after the show, and the tweets circulated. They've gotten a lot of publicity earlier today, where the basically the fan said it, essentially what we just said. About an hour before we started recording the show, there was a response that came out from Bully Ray, where his side of the story was that he was nothing but pleasant to the young man and that he explained to him essentially that he was being a distraction to the fans and also causing a problem on the, uh, for the, um, recording, but not just that, but that he alleged that some of the lewd and horrible things that he had said to the women were over the line and are not being reported. And that he was, he did need to speak to this fan. And he said, the only problem was if, If they had known how bad the things he said actually were, which came out later, they would have actually just ejected him to begin with, but they were trying to make good and allow him to still enjoy the show and treat him with respect and that basically the way he was talking about women in 2019 probably isn't right and that – Bully Ray is saying, like, he wasn't being a bully, he was being a man, essentially.
1: Yeah, so he, he dripped some of that toxic masculinity in there saying, I'm being a man about this. It's like, no one asks you to be a
2: man, now,
1: bully. Like, they, no one asked you to, to, to put a security shirt on. Like, they already have security for the building. Like, what are you doing in that situation?
2: Ring of Honor has responded to this, and they have said that they're launching an internal investigation. We've heard that sort of rhetoric in the past from different companies. But with them being tied to Sinclair Media, you got to assume that this sort of thing might be taken pretty seriously.
1: They're going to pay this fan to
2: go away. Something something's going to happen. Yeah. But it's a big deal what is happening right now. Now, he, here's my take on it. There are always two sides to one to the story. We've we've all been to indie shows. We've all seen shows where there's that one guy. Yeah. You know, fuck that guy. Yeah. You know where they're they're over the line. I do think it's interesting though that there's so many people who are online who are saying the opposite. Mm-hmm. who are saying that this guy was well with it he was just being a fan doing exactly what he was supposed to do you know i think it is problematic that if this if if the fan's account is right how can you take a fan to the back and tell him you shouldn't be saying negative things to the heels when that's what their job is is to get heat especially coming from bully ray a guy who made his entire career off of literally enticing fans to come and try and fight him and saying some of the most lewd and Vicious things about women and to women in his career and you know, I know it's a different time But like come on but here's the big problem of it all even if the fan was wrong Even if the fan was doing doing whatever you allege that he was doing under no Circumstances should security take a fan into the back and leave them alone with an active pro wrestler No matter what his role in the company is right that should never ever ever happen Ring of Honor, you guys been taking L's all year long. All year. You guys keep making big mistakes. This is a PR nightmare. This is a big problem.
1: All it takes is for something to get momentum online, like it has, for it to be like, you know what? I don't vote with Ring of Honor no more. And then and that's already happening with your product itself. And then you add in this side of it, it's like, this is messy.
2: There 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 are two sides to each story. We don't know what really happened, but I'm telling you, under no circumstances should that fan be left alone in a room with Bully ray That should yeah. never just, happen. Just kick his ass out. And, like, and, and you, like, instead of, like, justifying what you did, you should just apologize. You should just apologize. And or let,
1: make no statement.
2: Or make no statement, keep your mouth shut, and let your PR team go to work and keep you safe. Because you shouldn't even admit it happened. This is yeah. a big issue. Yeah. It's a big issue. Yeah. But um, we're going to move on. So we're going to – uh, we got NJP NJPW news. Uh, The free match of the week this week was uh, Okada versus AJ from Dominion 2015. Mm. Five-star match. If you've never seen it, it it's an incredible match. But not only that, it's one of AJ's best matches in his entire career, especially in New Japan. But it probably has what I would say is the greatest finishing sequence in any match that I have ever seen in my life. No finishing. This is one of the reasons why Okada gets his reputation for great finishing sequences. Now, take that and combine AJ and his prime. Fire. You have to see this match. Um, Dominion will actually be airing on Fight TV. For those of you that don't have NJPW World, who don't plan on getting a streaming service, you can watch this from the comfort of your own home on Fight TV, which is pretty cool. Also, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Lance Archer have been announced for the G1. Uh, opening night in Dallas, along with Tomohiro Ishii and Jeff Cobb. So, we're getting more names announced for that card. It looks like it's going to be awesome. You got to wonder is John Moxley going to show up on that card? Because if it does, it might help their ticket sales. Yeah,
1: I, I would be, if I was Harold May, i be cutting a check.
2: The Wrestle Kingdom website has launched, as well as the announcement of Wrestle Kingdom overseas tickets. If you're planning on going, the pre sale launches July 8th. Um, through the 10th and then the general sale tickets will be on sale july 12th so
1: buy your tickets through new japan do not go through jeff jarrett
2: (laughs) yeah don't go through a fence like jeff jarrett (laughs) um the southern showdown meet and greet tickets are on sale for the australia tours so if you're going to be attending those uh tickets and i know we got listeners in the in australia those tickets are on sale now um earlier today sports illustrated uh Did a write-up, sportsillustrated.com did a write-up on Michael Craven. I haven't read it yet, but they talk about the U.S. expansion, how Michael Craven will be the one leading that charge. I think it sounds pretty interesting. I'm going to definitely check it out. You should too. Um, Also, Harold May was interviewed and uh, asked questions about uh, AEW and the possibility of a working relationship, given the fact that we're seeing Jericho and Jon Moxley on these uh, shows coming up. He did comment on it and he did talk about how the deal to bring John Moxley uh, onto the show was cut before he even signed anything with AEW and that at this pre- present time they have no working relationship. He said as of yet.
1: Yeah. The the ground is being laid.
2: And I'll leave it at that. If Ring of Honor keeps fucking up like this, then it might really be laid. Yeah. Um Final bits of news, njpw1972.com has two new special uh, columns that you might want to check out. They have the social roundup where they actually do something similar to what I'm doing right now where they bring up all the social stories of the week, break news, give you uh, you know upcoming details, things that are going on. That's pretty cool. They also are doing a new feature called This Week in, in NJPW History where they uh, detail various different events that took place over the course of their history on the same week. Um, Many of you ask about NJPW history, how you can get more into it, how you can get more resources. This is a resource. NJPW is doing great things for the fans. Definitely check that out. And the last couple bits of uh, news, uh, if you've ever wanted to reign in Okada Bucks, there is a new Okada Bucks shooter that you can buy on the uh, NJPW website. It is 40 euros, which is probably a little over like $45 in U.S., but it, it's the same shooters that you saw the Young Bucks come out to, where they reigned the Young Bucks um, during their show at uh, Double or Nothing. And so, yeah, if you want to get one of those, those are available now. And then finally, there was some very— Do
1: you, do you think he gave, uh, he sent a special pair to Lacey Evans ahead of time?
2: <laughs> oh, was it Lacey Evans that was doing that? Not the Young Bucks. It was Lacey Evans. It was Lacey listen. Evans. I got that confused. My bad. Yeah, so what, what you saw Lacey Evans uh, in the Bucks with, you can do that now, but you can get the Okada Bucks. And then, um, Wrestling Observer Radio had some very interesting, uh, notes this past week about Yamuri uh, Shinbun, one of Japanese, one of Japan's leading newspapers. They did a story on New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, talking about Bushi Road's amateur wrestling team and wrestling club that Eugene Nagata is the head coach of, talking about Oleg Bolton, who is a 2020 Olympic hopeful from Kazakhstan and how he's already committed to working in New Japan Pro Wrestling, um in the future provided he you know he has uh success in the 2020 Olympics they also talked about um new japan's peak through 1998 and then it bottoming out and the regrowth of their uh their business after the MMA collapse in Japan they also talked about new japan's television audience that it's 10% under the age of 20 14% between 20 and 29 26% 36% from 40 to 49 and 13% over the age of 50 and that unlike WWE, where the median age of the television viewer is 54, New Japan's median uh, viewer age is 39, and that even though WWE attracts more kids, of the New Japan fan base, 39% became fans over the last year. 17- breaking news. Oh, we have breaking news? Yeah,
1: breaking news, sir. The Best of Super Juniors card has just been released for oh, the wow. final,
2: the whole show. Okay, let's go over that just after yep, this. Right
1: after you finish, I'll, I'll load up, make sure
2: I got it. Um, that basically uh, the television audience is 66% male uh, which is different from WWE but that at live shows the audience is 50-50 between men and women so that they're translating better to a woman's audience than um, the, you know, the WWE product is and um, said that all entertainment is their competition they're not just competing with WWE but all competition globally and culturally in Japan and Mexico and different places like that and um, So, yeah, and he also talked about how they're uh, trying to uh, make inroads in Mexico and Mexico City and uh, make Tokyo a tourist attraction with New Japan Pro Wrestling being the center of that. So, how people go to Mexico City to see CMLL and Arena Mexico. There's no
1: reason that, that that can't happen because I think the best city in the world for wrestling is Tokyo.
2: That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make... You know, Cork and Hall and New Japan Pro Wrestling be a tourist destination yeah. for people to come and watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he also said that he'd consider himself, Harold Mai said he'd consider himself a failure if their annual revenues were, uh, you know, at 100 million within three years of his taking over. So that was like a big success when he took over. He wants to grow it. He says they're closer to 40 million and he's about one year in. The only way to reach that number is to be able to get a strong series of international television deals uh that might require them going pg but that there's a feeling that that could hurt new japan especially internationally because the feeling uh from people outside of japan is that they aren't wwe so he's trying to figure out a way culturally to do what they're doing now but to also cut out things like lance archer spitting on people and using the middle finger and different inappropriate things like that but that um they're trying to come up with a salary structure right now that
1: That forget them
2: they're trying to come up with a salary structure that is similar and competitive to those of AEW and WWE while still drawing in uh, huge revenue in the coming months. So those, those are the last bits of news. And then finally, we're going to close with this. We have the Best of Super Juniors 26 card. Rich, you want to run it down?
1: Yeah, so um, our opening match, we got Shota Umino, Teton, and Dragon Lee against Ren Narita, Jonathan Gresham, and Bandito. That sounds good. Second match, we've got Sho and Yo and Taguchi. Against Eagles, Phantasmo, and Ishimori, all of the Bullet Club. Oh, so Ishimori will be able to wrestle. So, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we've got a 10-man tag. We've got Tiger Mask, Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, who has been off the tour. Uh, Yoshihashi, Toru Yano, and Tomohiro Ishii against Duki, Kanemaru, Zack Sabre
2: Jr., Minoru Suzuki and Tai Chi. Oh, so we got Suzuki and Liger on opposite sides of we the do. fence again. Yes. We do. So yeah, that's gonna be awesome.
1: So um, fourth match, we got Tohanare, Hanare uh, Tomiaki Hama, Togi Makabe, and Kota Ibushi versus Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Tensuya Naito. So a little bit of build for Ibushi and Naito there fifth match we've got Rocky Romero and Kazuchika Okada against Brody King and Marty Skrull of course Okada and Marty faced each other when Okada sent Marty to 205 Live or so he thought um, that's and all that's in.
2: interesting having Brody King in the ring with uh, Okada yes g- given the idea that there could potentially be G1 implications there yep very interesting
1: um, then of course our sixth match Hiroshi Tanahashi against Jay White the Hiroshi Tanahashi comeback match <laughs> As it's listed, then of course we've got our IWGP US title match, Juice Robinson against the challenger making his debut in New Japan, John Moxley, and then y'all know what it is—the main event, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi.
2: I think the things to look out for there, obviously, this is
1: a hell of a show.
2: Obviously, in that ten-man tag, we've got uh, you know the um, Sekigun guys and Chaos guys kind of going up against. Uh, um, Suzuki Goon. I think it's real important to take uh, to keep an eye out for the interactions between Suzuki and Liger, which we have not forgotten about. Plus Ishii and Taichi. But fourth from the top, that tag match with um, Okada uh, and who is it, Rocky Romero? Yes. Teaming up against Brody King and Marty Skrull, that seems like a prime candidate spot for a Jericho interaction. Yes. The Perfect spot on the card. So we've got the full card here. You heard it here first um and that is gonna do this sh- close the show out uh rich before we go you got anything you want to plug
1: yeah make sure you guys um are checking out one nation radio on sundays on this very network um if you guys enjoy like rap and you know beat making check me out on youtube i put up videos a couple times a week where i'm showing you how i'm actually making some stuff uh, and just you know keep supporting social suplex absolutely
2: thank you so much for being on the show thank you guys for listening We will be back next week to announce the winners of our Best of the Super Juniors prediction contest, announce the wrestler and the match of the month for the month of May, give our final thoughts and reviews on the entire Best of the Super Juniors tournament, review the finals of the Best of the Super Junior tournament and Dominion, and cover all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Make sure to connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strongstyle. You can also follow us at Social Suplex. You can follow Rich at RichLatta32 and you can follow Jeremy at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash socialsuplex. You can join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash wrestlingsquaredcircle on Reddit. I'm keeping it strong style. Jeremy is the pro black guy. You can email Jeremy at jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all our other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Sundays, we have One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. Wednesdays, The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Every other Wednesday, our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown men, watch this shit. Hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. Thursday, NXT, then Now and Forever. Friday, Get in the Ring. Hosted by Danny uh, and Mike. And Saturdays, All Things Elite with Floyd don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We get NXT's then now forever too. We said that. It's Thursdays. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The Ace of Podcasts. Podcast. Ichiba.